My father once told me that respect for the truth comes close to being the basis for all morality. Something cannot emerge from nothing, he said. This is profound thinking if you understand how unstable the truth can be. From Conversations with Muad'Dib by the Princess Irulan. Welcome to Spice World, an inebriated exploration of Frank Herbert's Dune. My name is Derek. And my name is Mike. Each week we open a new bottle of wine and have a bit of a buzzed book club. Uh, Mike, we're back for chapter 24 this week. We're making it pretty far. Uh, We're hitting up book two. This is the second chapter. Yeah. And it's so good. And uh, what kind of of wine we got this week? Oh, today we got another white wine. Another white wine, of course. course. (laughs) This is kind of an exciting one. It's called Donkey and Goat. (laughs) Donkey and Goat. Donkey and Goat. I hope that's not the ingredient list. I think that's the vineyard um, Mm -hmm. because it says... I think it's uh, 2016. It's called The Gadabout. It's called The What? The Gadabout. Okay. What is it? I don't know. Is that a word I'm familiar with? I don't know what Gad's about. The Gadabout. But uh, it is an unfined, unfiltered wine. I don't know what unfined means. It's it's very humble. It's Uh, very (laughs) humble wine. Ooh, 953 cases made. Oh, it's going to go. Yeah. Is there a lot number on there? I can't find one. Uh, Or it's a total for that one batch. Yeah. Whatever that year is. But that's kind of exciting. Um, on the back, it says, Our wines are handmade from sustainably farmed vineyards. In the cellar, we follow the same philosophy. Wines are spontaneously fermented. I love like, that. I love this wine. Sp- this wine is crazy. Spontaneously fermented. It's an unfined, spontaneous <laughs> wine. <laughs> Aged in older oak and bottled, unfined and unfiltered. I'm getting the feeling they don't taste test this before they ship this out. <laughs> <laughs> and they just care about how many cases they make. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty good. Have you tried it yet? No, no, I haven't. I wanted to wait. Because, uh, Mike, we're doing, uh, we're doing <gasps> something special with this bottle. Oh. We're going to dedicate this bottle. Because <gasps> uh, you took the time. You set up our Patreon. Yeah. And, dude, we already have some Patreon subscribers. That's really exciting. Yeah. People like us. <laughs> people, they, some people like really, us. They really, really do. <laughs> Um, it's not just our moms this time. So you guys did great. That's, that's the two patrons. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we got we got real names. We can even tell you them. <laughs> that's um, right. So guys, we want to go with that. We have a uh, we got uh, Kennedy Grant coming in uh, <gasps> representing our Sappho juice. Our Sappho juice. Sappho juice. Gotta love that. Oh, congratulations! Thank and, you, Kennedy. I know. And then we've got Laurel Carr coming in, our first wine enthusiast. Look, she had my back during the. Uh, She's the, that's uh, the same one. Yep, she gave you the point for our Amethal. Um, what's she drinking at the table? Well, it's a little bit of spice wine. Some I assume it's, wine it's a little bit of donkey and goat with some spice in there. I hope so. Well, Kennedy, Laurel, welcome to the CH. And guys, this wine's going to be for you today. And I'm gonna, yeah, hopefully it's a good one. I haven't tried it yet, so <laughs> we've been mixed on the white wines. Ooh. It's pretty I, good. So it's a, do you, we've talked before of whites and stuff. And like, uh, there's uh, you said like the Riesling was really sweet and that mm-hmm. wasn't like up your alley. This is very sweet. Is this something that like your wouldn't be your No, I, I like this though because it does have a good bite to it. It does. It's a little sharp at the top. And then, uh, oh, just a really sweet sugary kind of flavor in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it rides. Then, it's got like a nice lengthy kind of taste and flavor to it. So 
one of the few acid flavors I know to describe is like malic acid is the acid in like an apple. Oh. Uh, I learned that during like coffee tasting at one point. And that I get like a very strong apple out of this. Like an apple. Yeah, totally. And, uh, almost like a floral kind mm-hmm. of uh, taste with it. Maybe something like, um, I was almost going to say like gin-esque, but I think that might be no, too, no, way too, too far of like, it's just like really like tint. It's coming off of that biteness of it. But this is, this is, this is going to be my favorite one so far. Yeah. I like this better than the butter, which oh, might be okay. a little, maybe ruffling some feathers with you there. No, it's okay. It's okay. It was a good entry level wine for you. Hmm. I think you really needed that. But um, now that I know you like this, I can sort of uh, keep an eye on it. And Mike, uh, I can't help but notice there's an ice cube in this cup. chilling in the water. I forgot to chill it again. <laughs> I'm just, I think as soon as I buy something, I'm just going to throw it in the fridge and like never look at it again. <laughs> we just can't so, quite break ourselves from the Imperium <laughs> way. <laughs> we are not quite free yet. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, oh, great wine though, Mike. Thank I'm you. Glad. Yeah, no, I, a good one. I look forward to next week's too. But you ready to dig yeah. into this? Dude, I'm so ready. Because we got, well, hold, hold, don't get too ready. Because <laughs> I, I want to hit this quote first before we hit the chapter. <laughs> right, the yeah, chapter yeah. was so much fun. But this quote is pretty interesting. And this is going to be Irulan talking with Paul. And we're getting this mm-hmm. idea of the truth and the uh, being the basis for all morality. And talking about how, like, uh, how unstable the truth is it's sort of like yeah. sifting you know building on a foundation of sand it can just sort of like move on you and the definitions can change over time exactly and i love how he said when he uh speaks of the truth it's in quotes as if he's just like the truth is a silly concept almost mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> which is really funny coming from paul who has truth sense <laughs> you know <laughs> so who would know better yeah exactly but yeah no this is the first conversation with mudib we have Mm-hmm. So this is actually Princess Irlan having like a one-on-one. Yeah. And then so we have to, of course, always take that little grain of salt of like, what is the sort of uh, propaganda implication that this quote could have? Uh, True. Like, why is Paul saying this? Why Because obviously he knows now? it's going to do something. Yeah. And then on top of that, also just how this applies to the chapter we're in. Because mm-hmm. then there's also that Frank element where he's like, I put this here right. for a reason before you guys continue onward. And the conversation we're going to be uh, kind of stepping into is Hawat talking with this Fremen, and they're very much talking past each other for the majority of the conversation. Right. Just like degrees of separation, uh, and but both, I think, trying to find the truth. They're find common between ground. Each other. Yeah, yeah, to find, like, figure yeah. out what do we both agree on as the truth. Oh, and that's it. And, of course, it's going to be water. Yeah, it's <laughs> always water. It's always water. But, yeah, some new book. It's fantastic. We'll add it to the library mm-hmm. on the website. Uh, also, another little uh, shout out to Leto here. My father once told me. Oh, yeah. Kind so. of these lingering. Uh, Are these really Leto's words, though? Or is it Paul just giving credit to his father as some sort of like propaganda thing? Oh, I hate when you do that. And that's <laughs> like, I. D- I've never like uh, considered that these are lies potentially before. Oh, no. Until you like the meteorite white one, totally that can't You've be true. You've been telling me to question yeah. everything and assume <laughs> everything's like a lie. Do as you know, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> I'm a heart like a Harkonnen hypocrite through and through. <laughs> I just want you to be better than me. No, no. Ah, <laughs> oh, but yeah, you're right. You're right. That could very much be something that Leto never did, and maybe mm. maybe even Paul building up the like the mythos of his father at yeah. respect for his dad. You know, because what do we we have that um you were the skull is going to be enshrined at some point. Right. You know, we've had that allusion to that looking into the future. Um. So there's there's something there. He's going to build his father into something that maybe he wasn't or never would have imagined himself being that his son's going to turn him into. So good, good. I'm glad you pick up on this. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm feeling pretty good. All right, well, Duncan Good's doing something. 
<laughs> a little more donkey than goat, but who knows? <laughs> a little coulan, if you will. Mm. Yeah, I don't think we have any Eric and goats. We haven't heard of them yet. <laughs> so let's jump into this chapter. Yeah. And I, my first thought that I want to share with you is that I really wish this was the opening chapter for book two. Instead of, oh, instead uh, of the, uh, in the tent? like Yeah, yeah, instead of following up with the last of the tent yeah. conversation. Because it wasn't like there was too much more to suss out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this one is just so cinematic in the beginning where it's just Thufir talking. Mm-hmm. You don't know who he's talking to. You don't know where he is. You don't know what's happened up until this point. It feels like um, almost a cinematic moment where like close up on his like face and sort of zooming out. Yeah, like leathery face. Yeah, almost like talking eyes. to the audience. Mm-hmm. And because it's so such a weird quote to start too, where it says, I've always prided myself on seeing things the way they truly are. That's the curse of being a mentat. You can't stop analyzing your data. Which is a really cool line, but also completely wrong. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, he's all about Lady Jessica being this traitor. Yeah, but, seeing but, things the way they truly are. I don't know about no, that. Uh, I, no, he prides himself on seeing things the way they truly are. But what's the curse? He can't stop analyzing your data. Uh, the, I think the possessive on that's kind of important. And why I always like uh, flesh out that caveat for Thufir is that like it's the intelligence infrastructure that is his weakness right now within the Atreides. That's what's blocking him from like getting over this uh, misalignment of uh, you know Jessica being well, the traitor. There's your first example of how unstable the truth is. Yeah. Good, good nice, nice. <laughs> I'm getting there. Point for me. You're right. Yeah. Uh, and oh man, no, I'm I'm surprised I didn't make that before. Yeah. The, even the word "true" there, yeah. so close together, mm-hmm. uh, right from the bat. Uh, but I love the curse though of being a mentat that you can't break away from that. And uh, so we find out that Thufir is he's talking to a robed figure across from him. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a fremen. A Fremen with no name. <laughs> yeah, why don't we get a name? Because <laughs> he had a very short name book. Scarface had three, and he, what? <laughs> yep, we reached the quota. <laughs> can't, uh, can't use any more names up. So we'll just call him the Fremen? Yeah, and it, I, yeah, it's going to be kind of obnoxious, uh, especially once other Fremen show up. And uh, then like we're looking at Fremen across the thing, and we're talking to this Fremen. We, we need a new name for him. Yep. What do, you, what do you want to call him? I don't know. Uh, what do you got? I, uh, I always want to. I just go straight Anglo. Kyle. 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 Kyle the Sandman. Kyle the Sandman. <laughs> that might be a derogatory term for the Fremen. Um, <laughs> oh, probably. Let's yeah. not do that. Ooh. No, let's not. I don't, want to, I don't want to cross them. No. <laughs> Kyle, Mr. Fremen. You got it. <laughs> Kyle, Mr. Fremen. <laughs> so they're under this, um, this rock overhang, and it's looking out on a shallow sink, and it's telling us we're at dawn, so there's sort of like this pink coloration on everything. Mm-hmm. And then it's very cold makes a point of sort of hammering this in. Right. So it's going to be flipping, uh, you know, the, the script on us where we've been hammering and how, how hot this desert planet is, how harsh the heat is, how necessary water is and touch that. But we kind of forget that at night, this place is freezing. Right. Yeah. There's nothing in the atmosphere to hold that warmth down. And so this rock is still like, it's got that lingering coolness from night that's just like radiating off of it. So, you know, these people are all a little uncomfortable. And the Atreides troopers that are with them, too, are probably very alienated by the whole environment. Yeah, I mean, something they're that, not used to any of this. Yeah, very. And especially you're not in a city anymore, too. So we've taken what little bit of society away from you. Mm. And they are just out in the wild. And uh, we get this little description of the, the man squatting across from Hawa with Fremen, who had come across a sink in the first light of false dawn, skittering over the sand, blending into the dunes, his movements barely discernible. 
That reminds They're masters you, of stealth. They are. Remember the Fremen we saw running from the sand crawler last time? Yeah. Of like very sand. That like unbroken. Gliding uh, across the sand almost. Move without rhythm and you don't yeah. attract the worm. And uh, so this Fremen. They're having a conversation. He um talking with Hawa, he draws a symbol in the sand. So it's like a bowl with an arrow spilling out of it. He's mm-hmm. basically showing him like the the movement of the Harkonnen patrols. I, I'm not really clear if he it's either it is either something like that or the other possibility. Maybe he's drawing like the path they can go out of the sink. Um oh, but, maybe. but I think you are right, like he mentions the Harkonnen patrols right after mm-hmm. that. So, yeah, I, I just I don't know what like that crest is or anything. But, you know, when uh, later in the chapter, we keep talking about how there's like a break in the uh, wall that we can get out into the sink through. Right. Because that's where he's worried about a worm out mm. past that point. So it's one of those two things, some sort of plan. They've clearly been having this discussion. You know, we're coming into the middle of it, as we tend to do in Dune. Uh, mm. You know, we walk into conversations that are a little ways in uh, so we can just get the best parts of it. Now, Hawat is having an unbelievably difficult time. This is a bad night. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was going to say just figuring out what this Fremen wants, but you're right. Yeah. Overall, um, this can be, this can apply to his day, his week. It's It's been rocky. Um, I was saying he's sitting there with this Fremen and he, uh, he's thinking to himself and like within Mentat faculties too, of just like, mm-hmm. I don't know what this man wants. And he's trying to nail it down, but he like something is, there's passing each other while they're talking. And, uh, we get sort of this little flashback to where Hobbit was when the attack hit. Right. So he was outside of the the garrison village Simpo. Now Simpo. that was mentioned early on. Oh, I, I was gonna yeah. see if you caught that. Do you know what it is? It's just the dusty old garrison village outside of Carthag. Oh, okay. or not yeah. Carthag, uh, Arakeen. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Simpo is an important name, though. Uh, that is an old governor of Arakeen. Oh, wait. Is that the one that helped design the conservatory? You got it. Yeah. Uh, do you know what number of wife he built that for? Six. Very close. Four. Seven. Oh. <laughs> Seven. You're just going to keep lower, oh. lower. Um, Her name was uh, Hatina, and she was from a, like, a lush uh, kind of, like, water sort of planet. Right. Uh, jungle kind of world. Very Caladan-esque. Yeah, exactly. And he built that for her to have a little bit of home that she can have on Arakeen, <laughs> and she was probably miserable every other day of the week here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it was a good uh, connection to history that I don't think is fully expounded upon in the uh, in Dune, um, but it might be the conservatory in the glossary does mm-hmm. uh, mention that it was built by him. So like he gets called, so he's got a little town named after him. Right. Oh, it is outside of Carthag. Never mind. I was right before. Uh, oh no, I think you did say outside of Arakeen. Yeah, no, but, I said Carthag, then changed to Air King, oh, but I was you, you don't trust my gut. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's my gut. Carthag. Yeah. Uh, and while he was there, he hears about these attacks going on, and he thought it was just a raid, just another Yeah, like Razia. they're testing the, the defenses and everything. Mm-hmm. Yep, just seeing what they can get away with. Uh, prob- but then there's two legions, then <laughs> yeah. five legions, then 50 brigades. Yeah, attacking uh, the Duke's main base at Arakeen. <laughs> a legion at Arsunt. We had two battle groups at Splintered Rock. Uh, I don't even know where Arsunt and Splintered Rock are. But- yeah, I, I Arsunt especially, I don't think I've ever heard that one. I think mm. Splintered Rock's going to come up again in the book as like a location uh, the Fremen will travel to or something. And then there's like one or two legions of Sardaukar as well. It's like, whoa, God. Just Great mother. Throw that into the yeah. mix of like stir pod. Uh, so how uh, he recognizes immediately the superb intelligence in the planning. Which, hey, 
Good job, Biter. Good job, Biter. <laughs> we like to always give one to the guys <laughs> when they do good. Mm. Oh, oh, donkey and goat. You're so good. <laughs> so uh, he recognizes, especially that they have like the right weaponry in the right places. Mm-hmm. So anywhere where they need to siege, they have siege equipment. Anywhere they need that artillery to like close up caves, they got that artillery. Mm-hmm. Anywhere they need saddle car for whatever reason, they got their saddle car. And they are just tossing the Atreides out like mm-hmm. it's yesterday's garbage. Oh. So Hawat's uh, shocked fury had mounted until it threatened a smooth functioning of his mentech abilities. The size of the attack struck his mind like a physical blow. It's like, wow. He couldn't even fathom them doing that. Yeah, it's completely impossible for him to like comprehend. So that is the second time on Arrakis he's been struck like that. The first time was that the, revelation of Lady Jessica's yeah. powers that like completely undid his understanding of warfare. And he was just like, wait, that's possible? Yeah. And like, again, he's like, you can do this? You can get this many people in one day? And he's lived for a long time, so he's seen some things. Yeah, yeah. And well, as like a renowned, like universally yeah. renowned Mentat assassin. And like he mentions, like he was prepared for a lighter to touch down, you know, a couple shuttles. Yeah. Maybe well, like there. he'd even been like sending up like uh, faux lighters with spice, like some yeah, decoys some, and some stuff. Fake, uh, yeah. Some fake ships going up, probably some spies here and there. Just be like, go ahead, take that one if you need to. No, it, he was just like kind of entertaining himself in that. We get a bunch of cool uh, ship names here and like or types, I should say. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because they're saying there's more than 2000 down at this point. That's and crazy. What do you got like as a list of uh, little ship types? Uh, lighters, which we just talked about. Those are sort of like your small transports, I assume, for like. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm thinking it's going to be less than like the frigates that we saw around right, the right, right. landing field. I, what I imagine is sort of like boxcars almost. Okay, uh, I see that actually more. It's just for like, uh, like not really for passengers or anything. It's just like. We've got supplies or boxes, transport, okay. yeah, something so, light. So go through this whole list. So yeah, we got lighters, frigates, scouts, monitors, crushers, troop carriers, and dump boxes. Dump boxes. So like the when you say the um, like a shipping container, I think more like the dump box being that. No, I think a dump box would be like the uh, almost like a drop pod with like uh, right, right, full you, of equipment, right? No, full of uh, troops. Oh, you think you think like a, like a very. Um, Warhammer 40k that yeah, like space exactly. rain drop pod yeah, that comes exactly. in. Okay, okay. I I see that more as like a thing full of equipment. But then we have like the troop carrier. We're gonna see one of those today. Mm-hmm. So we know what that is. That's basically like a, an advanced thopter right, that right. can hold a lot of people. A lot of people. A lot of people. Uh, a crusher. What do you th- is that just like I a don't giant? know, but it sounds awesome. I think I saw it in the glossary. I didn't ooh, really ooh, pay much that. attention I, to it. I don't but. know if it's in there. I imagine just a giant brick they dropped from space. <laughs> <laughs> space brick. Space brick. Um a monitor. You think that's just gonna be like a little little flying drone with a camera kind of deal? Uh no, probably. Um, tell you what, I can tell you right now. Ooh. Monitor is a 10-section space warcraft mounting heavy <gasps> armor and shield protection. What? Ooh. It's designed to be separated into its component sections for liftoff after planet fall. Wow. Okay, so that was it, way cooler than what we thought. Yeah, I was just like a little camera. <laughs> okay, camera. all right. We're going to go through all of these now. Yeah, yeah okay, okay. Hit so, me up uh, what do you, for Crusher. If Crusher, you got yeah, I got Crusher. Military space vessels composed of many smaller vessels locked together and designed to fall on any on an enemy position, crushing it. So, oh, so it's a wait. bunch of small ships to link together and become a space brick. Sweet. 
And but, then, but then the people and then, come, and then people for it. There are always people jammed into these things. It <laughs> yeah. sucks. Um, okay, what That's... about a lighter? A lighter. Yeah. I'm going to take you through them. Yeah, yeah. The monitor one is really surprising. Yeah, that one actually caught me off guard. That's cool. Uh, the lighter is not on here. Okay, what about a dump box? A dump box. <laughs> or a scout. I'd be... The, the frigate I'm pretty satisfied with that we understand. Dump boxes. The general <gasps> term for any cargo container of irregular shape and equipped with ablation surfaces and suspensor dampening systems. <gasps> They're used to dump material from space onto a planet's surface. Dude, that's cool. I forgot about the suspensor effect for them mm-hmm. of just like how that would um like remember when we sent the not like we personally uh but sent the rover to mars yeah and it did the um the sky what's it called sky crane oh uh, as its way to stop and then mm-hmm. it used like that airbag jet system to like just plummet into yeah. the ground <laughs> you could just use these cool suspensors to like drop it and then it boom, 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 and it just sets that's, perfectly onto it like it doesn't even have to crash into the earth like all of our stuff does that is so good that's neat uh, I imagine the crusher though bypasses that, and it's like go, go, go for it. <laughs> I just love that there's like there's ships that crash down and squash things. <laughs> That's how advanced we got. That's <laughs> tried and true. That's the future for you. <laughs> so within um, all of these uh, vessels that have sh- mm-hmm. uh, set down on uh, Arrakis, these two thousand ships, we have more than a hundred brigades. That's more than ten legions has uh, touched around. And I assume, though, that's between uh, the Sautokar and the Harkonnen yeah. forces. So, so how many was it that Piter said it would take to overthrow the uh, the Baron? One, was it one just legion. One? Just well, one and, uh, one in the neighborhood yeah. could do it of, uh, on their off. But no, we're going all out. It's all or nothing here. Yeah, that sounds like the majority of the Harkonnen yeah. forces here to take this. That's uh, 20% of that army is Sautokar. The entire spice income of Rarakis for 50 years might just cover the cost of such a venture. We're going to get an even more specific number later from the Baron. And I think it is more than 50 years. Well, it's not just the Baron. It's also, it's a... The Baron, he foot the the bill. Yeah. The the Emperor just provides the Sadokar. Oh, I thought the the Emperor footed the bill. No, no. The Baron foots the bill. Okay. Yeah, Emperor's not putting money on this. I think for him, he's just like, you know, you're going to have to pay me to get the permission to do it. That's enough. I've done my job. And then he's pulling, you know, he's it's like, do- and here's some starter car. Really? He's- Mainly because they're getting restless. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. They, they might be. That It's a, a, probably like an added bonus. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, this is really going to calm them down. <laughs> um, but like the legal liability that the emperor is assuming is huge. Oh, yeah. Because you're you're agitating the Lance Rat. And if they got wise to the Sautokar being there, we need... High Council can be like, we hey, we're to, taken down. Yeah, we're everyone, you know, ring, 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 ring yeah. the great convention bell. Like, we're all off to war. Uh, so he, that's, I think that's a risk worth making the Baron pay for every penny. Plus, uh, we know he kind of hates the Baron. Would the Landsrad turn on the Baron for any part of that plan? Because the Baron is still sort of acting yeah, yeah, within uh, the confines of Conley. Right, but like with uh, the revelation of the Sadokar's involvement mm-hmm. under the Harkonnen like livery, I think that would make, implicate him enough okay. to uh, bring the lands right in to be like, uh, clearly you broke the rules of Conley. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I I don't know specifically all the ins and outs, but I doubt. I you... feel I feel like that's definitely breaking a rule. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I was just saying, like I I don't know if you can even include your allies, maybe. In that kind of declaration, but I mean, you definitely, regardless, you can't include the emperor. The emperor <laughs> yeah. is like outside of whatever all. houses you have on you. That's that <laughs> one's a no-no. So, Hamat sitting here with this uh, this revelation, this sort of like uh, spice accounting going through his head. He knows he failed his duke. Mm. 
which that's got to be a sad parting thought. Yeah. We know that, you know, the Duke, he knows his Duke's own as well. And this is going to be, we're going to watch how Watt kind of like deal with this internal pain. I think for the rest of, uh, probably for the rest while, of the while he's alive, I was going to say for the rest of his life, but I'm like, we really don't know what that means. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's that could true. be the end of this chapter. I don't <laughs> know anymore. Double O Mapes is dead. Like, oh, God bless her. Hider. Hider. El Morte. Nafud. Nafud. Barely knew you, bud. You tortured that one Party. guy. Party. <laughs> Party. Party. <laughs> we never met you. <laughs> Yet you got a name, bud. Yeah, I know. What? <laughs> So uh, with this, he's uh, turning his mind now to the traitor. The one he knows for sure is the traitor. The Lady Jessica. She fits all of his facts, Mike. But he just established that he doesn't know all the facts. Like, he had no idea any of this was even possible. But it's still got to be her. Even <laughs> even in death, Yui fails upwards. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the hell? You, just, you can't catch that man. <laughs> He's slippery. You know, you think you could have left another note of just like, <laughs> guys, it was me. It was me. <laughs> just in case this comes up in conversation. Uh, I think, oh man. Well, he's uh, coming to this determination like he's going to kill her. Mm-hmm. And uh, he regrets not doing it prior in that room. He wouldn't have been able to. At 2 a.m. I, I feel like they would have both gone down. I, I want- nah, my money's on Lady Jessica. Yeah. On fight night, it's Lady Jessica in the ring coming out with that belt. Hey, it was fight night for Hawa too. He had the bloody, uh, he had wiped off the bloody blade that's true. his arm. That's true. He came, he was working that mm-hmm, night. Mm-hmm. Had to come off shift. Maybe maybe you're right. That the idea of the, oh, the voice on Hawa mm-hmm. or Jessica having oh, so many cool alternate yeah. histories I would love to like see uh, rationalized out. So he started with 300 men. He did. He did. He started with 300. How about 300? And we're down to a mere 20 at Mm -hmm. this point. Of that 20, 10 are wounded. Yeah, they're not doing so hot. Nope. And they are just sort of like sprawled over the rocks and sand in various forms. They've probably been fighting for their lives all night long. Fighting and running. Yeah, Like true Atreides fashion, no one's sleeping. Mm -hmm. And the Fremen that we're with actually lets us know somebody's alive, Mike. Some famous guy who uh, I believe is a star of a game at the end of the Gurney! show. <laughs> Gurney is alive and he's with the smuggler allies. So uh, how about thinks he might have potential to get off world. But I think you and I know that way is closed. Right. Yeah. Paul kind of mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Like the guild's not letting anyone off because so, the guild bank has been sacked. But he might be able to meet up with the Fremen because the smugglers and the Fremen have some sort of like contract or like alliance. They've got like some sort of deal. Yeah. I would say I want I want to like somehow tie it to the guild. I think more so than like between the two of them. Because mm-hmm. you know how we went through the history of the Zensuni getting here. Right. Them and the guild are the real ones. Like, That's right. That are That's striking right. this part. So I think they just needed a, a middleman, and that's mm-hmm. where we bring in these smugglers. So who vets them? I wouldn't know, but I, I would guess the guild, since the guild has the broader access to the Imperium mm-hmm. of like bringing people in. The Fremen aren't going to be like, uh, you know, hitting up. Uh, <laughs> just, I was trying to think of what's that website for hiring people? <laughs> just in, going indeed. on, to, <laughs> you know, looking for resumes. Of like, <laughs> we need smugglers. Uh, who do we want to bring in? <laughs> they don't really care. They just need to get it to the guild so they mm-hmm. can have their secrecy and their own thing going on. Um, and now. Of uh, these 20 people that showed up with Hawat, they had uh, one Thopter that just gave out this morning, and they were using it as a ground effect vehicle on their way. Now, do you know what that is? No. So I looked, I've looked this up, like, this is really cool. Okay. That's a specific thing. 
right? When an airplane is flying and during takeoff and landing, back in the early points of aviation, we realized that it's more um, efficient power usage at that level. Like the way the aerodynamics work, it's way better to be at a super low altitude flying really fast. Oh. You're more fuel efficient, uh, you're more power efficient. Hmm. Uh, like the weight to torque ratio is just better. So that's called, that's the ground, uh, the ground effect, I think is what it's referring from. So a ground effect vehicle is like these series of planes that are specially built. They have like shorter, stubbier wings and like sort of a longer uh, tail to maintain stability. So they're meant to fly really low. Really low, really fast. And uh, the obvious dangers of it are just like... Uh, <laughs> you, you hit the ground. <laughs> uh, uh, so a number of things. You can hit the ground uh, if... So going over the surface of the thing, uh, if the terrain uh, elevates or deviates at all, mm-hmm. adjusting to that can, because these planes, they're not really good at maneuvering. That's not their strong suit. Uh, it's just speed. Speed. Uh, speed and like the fuel mm-hmm. economy is so much better than a normal airplane or a normal ground car mm-hmm. or a boat or anything like that. Because a boat is uh, dealing with the drag of the ocean. So in designing these planes, uh, it works best over water. Okay. So as like just a area to go for where there's not going to be anything you're going to hit, you know, no trees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's not going to be a uh, moving ground or anything, but you have some like cutbacks to it where uh, you have to take off in the wind with one of these. Oh, because um, does it, that like help it uh, stay it, airborne? It's with the waves. If you go in another direction, the waves are pushing you to the side because the waves are going with the wind. If you're taking off on water mm-hmm. and it will just rock the ship a little bit to the side as you're trying to take off. Oh, yeah, dangerous. not good. So you got to go with it, which is one of the limitations for how and when you can take off. Um, and then they have to, like, reinforce the bottom of it so it can touch the water and stuff like that. But I just thought it was really cool that there's a whole slew of, like, engineering built into Dedicated ground to effect vehicles. That's really cool. I um, never knew that. And but it, yeah, it kind of faded out of popularity too because there we don't have a great application for them mm-hmm. since there's no areas you can really use it. Uh, we have so many shipping lanes that like we can't really use them on water because like they have to fly so low they can't really avoid boats. Uh, like oh a, god, like a container ship, right? Being right. Like that size. I didn't even think about that because they can't pull up really effectively or side to side. <laughs> they just, just sort of like <laughs> they toot that horn. Yeah, <laughs> <way." laughs> <laughs> airplane speed. <laughs> Um, but like to my thought, I was trying to think of like, um, where these would be useful and like, maybe like the great lakes in the Mediterranean kind of deal would be a good mm. place. Um, the Russians though, they built one and I just like the name of it. It's an Ikranoplan. Ikranoplan? Ikranoplan. Okay. It's like they're when they still make to these days. That's stuff. pretty awesome. Yeah. And then there are some, uh, German manufacturers that still make them and whatnot. Uh, so that was really neat. That's a ground effect vehicle. So we had our thopter. Mm-hmm. You know, we can adjust the wings of those. Right, right, right. So I imagine you're pulling them in, making them kind of short and stubby, and they are just skimming the dunes. I love how variable these thopters can be. Mm-hmm. And you can change them sort of on the, like, on a whim. You can throw a seat out if you need to. It seems <laughs> they're very modular. We don't need that shield. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Throw yeah. the shield units out. They're, they're super cool. That's pretty, that's pretty dope, actually. So our ground effect vehicle that we flew out here, though, mm-hmm. gives out in the morning, and we're just like, crap. So we take the old laser gun to it. <laughs> a cutter. <laughs> yep. And just kind of buried the pieces. Uh, well, a cutter is like a, a proper tool for mining and whatnot. Oh. So that being a cutter, but still the same technology, yeah, being yeah. a cutter laser. Uh, and then just saying laser gun, I just imagine they had to like, it's kind of like using your rifle in that manner. <laughs> Probably heats up really hot. And oh, just my like, God. <laughs> and uh, how lot though? At this point, he only has, like, a rough idea of their location for wherever that, you know, they skimmed that plane out of and landed. And they're some 200 kilometers southeast of Arakeen at this point. 
the main traveled way between the shield wall Siech communities was somewhere south of them. That's going to be where this Fremen came from. So it's kind of alluring. And at this point, our, uh, our Fremen guide, we get a little view of him. He's going to throw back his hood. Yeah. We got a Santi hair and beard. Isn't that just Stilgar? <laughs> <laughs> They're all Stilgar. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> In a way. Uh, you know, they are a sort of like enclosed community. There might not be that much genetic variation, you know, within. I guess a, I hadn't considered that. Of just like outsiders coming in. Now, we don't even know which CH this one is from. Uh, no, we do. Oh, uh, yes. I, mm. I guess no, we wait, no, we do because Stilgar's name is. He, ma- he mentioned. just mentions him, but he doesn't actually mention him as like his naive, I guess, or anything. Yeah, but but I, I get the impression that yeah. Stilgar is his leader, and that's why he knows yeah, that Stilgar yeah. has that gun. So I would say he's from Siech Tabar. That would make that's sense. That's going to be the one uh, we we that's right. Like that's every, name of every his. cool Fremen from. This is like this is our house Gryffindor for this book. Mike is Siech Tabar. That's where Mates is from. That's where this guy's oh, from. Oh man, I want I want that. Yeah, <laughs> and, little uh, banner. Yeah, <laughs> little little. Oh no, got a little a, worm on it. Um, they have a kerchief. That they wear. Oh, do they? Yeah, we're going to learn that later on. So there is a thing to discern, like, you oh, are that's really cool. Tabar. Yeah, yeah, And uh, so this man pulling it back, gets sandy hair and beard, and he has a scar by his nose that's from the loop of the tube that connects to the cash right, pocket. Right, right. It's going to be very iconic for every Fremen mm-hmm. movie. They're all going to have that and kind of touch that scar from time to time. It's, it's always a, it's a little irritating and uncomfortable. I bet it is. <laughs> yeah, being right up by your nose. And then he has the total unreadable blue and blue eyes. Mm-hmm. Love it. So this guy's been hitting that spice his whole life. So the Fremen is telling them, look, guys, we got to we gotta leave tonight and make a break to in the wall. Or, I'm sorry. Uh, and make for the break in the wall and it's head like, south across the Erg. But no shields. Absolutely <laughs> not. So because it's a break in the wall, there's open sand in between the Erg and them. That's enough for a worm to get through. Uh, no, I think what he's telling him is like once you go through it, like okay. make sure you don't have your shield on. I don't think the worm can get through that hole. Otherwise, it would, or potentially, you know, at this point sometime. But I think what he's saying is like once we cross that, guys, like don't have a shield on. Like we need to keep going. We're not going to be able right. to stop because we're going to be in the open too at that point. There's going to be no cover. There's no rocks. You know, mm-hmm. we just have to cross this desert, which must be terrifying. And. uh and were you going to pick up what he was actually going to say? Well, yeah, it, I feel like he was going to say a maker. He definitely was about to say maker. So why don't they say maker in front of anyone else? Is that like uh, a taboo thing to do for not uh, like to a non-Fremen? Yeah, I think it's um like a matter of trust of like, yeah, you don't bring them into the inner circle whatsoever. The hmm. importance of the worm, the importance of the spice, like they can't know any of that. But no, yeah, he he was definitely going to say maker. And I think there is like sort of a religious component where they, they're keeping like the Fremen religion and even like their culture to a broader extent secret from any outsider. Mm-hmm. Like they they uh, they don't trust people for yeah, a lot for of a good, good, re- good, lot reason. of good reasons. <laughs> they have a long We history. learned last week. <laughs> the Imperium sucks. Yeah. So we're going to keep maker to ourselves and we're just going to call it a worm. Mm-hmm. Sort of downplaying it too. I'm just like, oh uh, yeah, those things are so insignificant. Don't worry about those. Mm. No, not important. Not important. And um, how about though? He's, he's more tired than he's ever been. He's sort of beyond the use of the anti-fatigue bills at this point. Yeah. So I feel like even if he caught that, he's just like, just not, no time. It's not important. I can't even, but write. I will kill Jessica. <laughs> but I will kill the lady. Yeah. Jessica. That witch. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, he uh, is thinking, though, before this guy, like uh, the imperial treachery that has occurred is kind of crossing before him. And having that 
that thought that sort of like Paul and Leto, I think both went through just like mm-hmm. wanting to bring this before the Imperium. It's like, what are you going to do? But no. knowing you can't. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, there is this obvious answer to it, but it's like, it's so impossible in the moment of like, what are we going to do? And the Fremen sitting with them then is bringing this conversation back. So do you wish to go to the smugglers? And he's saying like, Oh, if it's possible. And the only answer the Fremen gives him is, the way is long. <laughs> I love that. I know I once told him, Fremen don't like to say no. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I think I also kind of just lets us know this is, whole culture does not put much stock in the word no. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And that uh, I we can also infer that, though, from what did Kynes say. Kynes doesn't say no. Kynes says only possibilities. That's right. Right? So that's a, that's a broader cultural motif that we're going to see or occur more often. Uh, and maybe is helpful to their survival, too. Like they, I don't think they would ever be as hopeless as maybe like some of these Atreides soldiers are because mm-hmm. they don't, that's not the way they see the world. Right. Uh, now Hawat is, he's at a communication impasse with this Fremen. Yeah. And this is where we really see it. Mm-hmm, Cause he can't get an answer that he understands. Yeah. <laughs> like even that moment there, I'm just like, uh, why won't you tell me like, like no, <laughs> it would be so Same much answer. damn answered. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Can you help the wounded? They're wounded. They are wounded. I, I know that. I just said that. <laughs> yeah. I feel like uh, Thufir's got a red spot on his forehead from just like hitting it over and over again. <laughs> like, damn it. No, I know they're wounded. That's not the, in the oh. peace friend. And he kind of cautions them, you know, like, what do your wounded say? That's going to be the question he asks them. Mm-hmm. Are there those among them who can see the water need of your tribe? And that is like, if he could understand, like, that is a very um, logical step for the Fremen to ask him. Right. Because what, what is he saying there? He was basically, I mean, from what I can understand, he's basically saying, like, do they understand that you guys are out of resources and that them dying is not going to help you? Right. Like, them, uh, they are right now uh, endangering the rest of you. Yeah. It's like, like you're, if you, you have resources all and you try and divide it between all of you, you're still all probably going to die. Mm-hmm. But uh, do they know if they're, you know, worth saving or beyond saving? Would they be willing to help the tribe by eliminating that decision for how do we provide water for them or mm-hmm. food for them? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of bringing me back to, again, referring to the Zunsuni Wanderers from when the old people stayed behind on Rasek mm-hmm. at the end of that one. I'm just like, they made that decision. for like, no, we're going to hold you That's back. That's a water otherwise. decision. That's a well, they, did, they didn't call it that, though. No, it was very cold that day. <laughs> <laughs> Ice planet. Um, so Hawat, he kind of admits like, yeah, look, we don't have enough water, which isn't exactly. That's what, not what he's saying. That's though. not what he's saying. No, he's like, no, no, you have enough water. We're talking water next level. But Hawat comes at him literally of like shaking a leader, John, just like, well, we have half a leader kind of deal. <laughs> it's like he even cuts him off. Like, I understand your reluctance. <laughs> yeah. And like, he, they are talking right past each other. Mm-hmm. But he also he points at uh, the exposed skin on Hawat. Of just telling him like that uh, you guys don't have steel suits and that makes your situation very perilous. Uh, and how about he wants to uh, buy their help? And the Fremen reminds him <laughs> like you don't have any yeah, water. No, I just showed you you don't even have a steel suit. Like you're how not, can you're I help you? <laughs> protecting your own water. How can you offer me water? You mm-hmm. know it's not possible. It's like you must make a water decision. How many of your wounded would you spend? And he, and he glances at that group behind Hawat. I think that's the closest we get to them being on the same page. Yeah. Like right here. Well, we get that uh, Hawat goes silent. So, you know, for him, <laughs> that means like Mentat mind is processing. Yeah. That means thousands of thoughts are occurring at once. And I think he is sort of like uh, he's catching up to it right now. 
or he's at least acknowledging that the word sounds were not being linked up here in the normal manner. Mm-hmm. So I was like, wait, we've disconnected. I'm very, very close, though. I've said the right things to trigger this, but I don't know what I said. You know, like what that <laughs> it's mean- like a Lady Jessica moment earlier on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like trying to break down the language of it. And uh, so Hawa is just sort of like, he's just going to declare where he stands in a way. I'm just like, let me make this perfectly clear. <laughs> I am Thufir Hawa. <laughs> Let's start over. Yeah. <laughs> you, think, you think this is like the sixth time he's had to redo this? Oh, my like, God. Wait a second. Restart. <laughs> and he's saying, like, I can speak for my duke. I will make promissory commitment now for your help. I wish a limited form of help. Preserving my force long enough only to kill a traitor who thinks herself beyond vengeance. Man, hey. He does sum it up, though, into yeah. a nice, concise uh, mission statement. And then he's like, so you want our help in this vendetta? <laughs> like, nope. <laughs> That's not what I wanted either. <laughs> no. This is, he, he's like, I, I got this. I, I don't need Poor help. Kyle. He doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, Mr. Fremen, is sitting there. And uh, yeah, Howard is explaining to him, like, I just need to not be responsible for these men. But I love that Howard's not, like, he's going to see to it, like, mm-hmm. his duty. That comes yeah, first. Yeah, yeah. Even before, like, avenging his duke. Like, I have a duty to these living men with me. I wish to be free to responsibility. It's like, how can you be responsible for your wounded? Oh, well, the Fremen's got it. Kyle's got an idea. So <laughs> Kyle, Mr. Fremen, puts his hand to the Chris knife. And he's just like, oh, do we need to make a water decision? I can. Oh, water's at issue. Like, would you have me take that decision away from you? I love that. Oh. Just pulls out, like, a knife. It's like, oh. And I, I bet, like, you think he's saying that? It's sort of like, uh almost like a gesture of goodwill. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, if it's hard, like, I can do this for you then. If this will make your life easier, like, I can help you in a way. That is, like, you know, it's not going to cost me <laughs> You anything. don't have to make a choice if everyone's dead. Mm-hmm. Well, that, well, ultimately, though, that is the choice the Fremen thinks they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not Again, like, they're talking past each other. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to make sure we don't color in, like, the Fremen's not, like, how <laughs> it's reaction. Something. Is there betrayal here? <laughs> mm-hmm. He entertains that for just a second, just long enough. And, uh... It's that where then how it kind of brings up uh area. Oh yeah, actually, he also is met with like this understanding of how direct these mm-hmm. people are in that statement of like, yeah. I mean, so I think that tempers this betrayal. Like, wait, no, they're just really blunt with how they talk to you. And then he tells them like, so there's a price on my head. And that sort of does relax the Fremen. Yeah, maybe like, like oh, maybe the Fremen realizes so... like, oh, maybe this is alarming to you. Yeah. This knife. You think we have the Byzantine corruption. Ooh, what do you think that means? Isn't it uh isn't it a type of political corruption? Uh oh, I don't know. So like Byzantine as a word is definitely like uh No, I think I think it's actually an expression. Oh, I couldn't find anything for Byzantine corruption. I know Byzantine is used as an expression. It's basically um analogous to a, an over enlarged bureaucracy. That is almost a burden on its own government and itself. Mm. And so the Byzantine corruption, though, I don't know if that's just saying like um, you referring to like sort of the Imperium and these corrupting forces within like a bureaucratic government. Like, do you think I would just turn you over for advancement within myself? And I do kind of take it more like a self-fulfilling advancement rather than like, you know, the Fremen are very much as a whole. They don't Mm. one doesn't step forward without all the rest. You never leave a Fremen behind. Because he's telling him, following like the Byzantine corruption, just you don't know us. The Harkonnens have not water enough to buy the smallest child among us. Bang. Ooh, I wonder, context clue wise, maybe that also means like that the Byzantines sold people. Is there any like slavery in that part of it? I don't think it has to do with that. I think it just hmm. has to do with like your loyalty going to like the highest bidder. Okay, just like yeah. money. 
And you're like, yeah, yeah, selling yourself out. Yeah. It's like, what is it from like Lord of the Rings? Like uh, dragon sickness. Oh, I don't remember. Oh, uh, it's from, uh, it was not Lord of the Rings. It was a Hobbit. Okay. Yeah. I never read yeah, the Hobbit. The, yeah. The, like uh, the greed of gold, like gets that. to you sort of like a dragon does. Oh, and they call that dragon. They call it dragon sickness. I love that. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, I recently carried that over to like Dungeons and Dragons. Dragons. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it is. Yeah, dragon, he's just got a little flu. That's why he's collecting all that gold. <laughs> <laughs> little dragon flu, a little sniffle right here. <laughs> little dragon flu, yeah. um, so hearing this though, that the Harkonnens don't have enough water to mm-hmm. buy like the smallest child, that's like staggering. Because again, Hawat is doing this calculation of how much they just paid to raid this planet. Yeah. And he's like, that isn't like, enough. They have enough for that, but not enough to buy a child. Nope. <laughs> like, and uh this brings me back to the the burning of the chairs uh where like remember we we took the h off the chair yeah. like good enough brand new chair for the atreides the, the fremen are like no no you you destroy that <laughs> yeah. chair you salt that earth like we don't mess around now how he's gonna try to uh now lead the conversation uh he's trying to take along the lines to this mutual objective so like, like to both, kill harkonnens fight the harkonnens while we fight them together uh, is this something we can read on and the fremen's like it's like we share the battle and she's like we are sharing I, I saw you fight you're pretty good yeah oh i'd love to have your arm or like your arm by my side um but we have a water decision and it's just like it's oh just, i like, really for a second i thought i had you I love I'd appreciate your arm by my side. Then say where my arm can help you. <laughs> How it's bloodied arm. It's like, oh, they're everywhere. But first water. First water. We always got to get to water first. Uh, but he, he compliments How on his skill. It's like either he has to make the decision for them or put the decision to the wounded so that they can speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. And How he's being super cautious at this point. So I think it's taken like all of his mentat cunning to like figure out this sort of like cultural hurdle Mm -hmm. that is in front of him. And, uh, he is kind of like, uh, he's demonstrating where Paul got it. I think in the next way, uh, cause he asked the Fremen how he would do things, which is very much remember. I think we've seen Paul do that in a couple occasions, especially with kinds where he's like, you know, Gurney and Leto were asking the wrong question. And then Paul's like, no, no, what would you do? Right. And that just like cuts through to the point of it. So Hawat points Hawat, that to him He's here. getting in that direction, though. Like, show me your way. Mm-hmm. The Arakine way. The Arakine way. How he treats his wounded. This Kyle, the Fremen. And uh, the Fremen espouses just that personal responsibility. You know, the wounded and unwounded must consider the tribe's future at all times. It's like, you're, he just says, like, you're doing everything wrong. You're on the wrong side <laughs> of the dune. You're not wearing a suit. Yeah. You don't have any water. Like, you're going to die out here. Yeah, they came down, like, the slip side of the dune and everything. <laughs> Keep like, your were, shields off, for God's they sake. They were visible the whole <laughs> yeah. way through. How uh, lot? He, he then is able, he ventures to ask kind of about the Duke and his son. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems asking for word is an idiom that the Fremen don't use. Because he asks yeah. him, like, what's the word of it? And the Fremen's like, what you talking about? <laughs> and how it, they're fate <laughs> like oh um, oh fate is the same for like everyone everyone has the same fate we oh, all die oh my god i don't know how he doesn't strangle like <laughs> again red forehead yeah and, uh, <laughs> your duke it is said has met his fate i like that though we all have the same fate but he has met his he's met his that's Ooh. really cool as to the lisan al-gaib his son that is in liet hand liet's hands Liet has not said. So this made me conf- like question what I was thinking earlier. Because I am like 99% sure that uh, Dr. Kynes is Liet. Mm-hmm. But this made me think back to when they used Liet in terms of like God. 
Like yep. only Liette knows. This made me think that again. It's like it's in God's hands. Only God knows. And God hasn't said. It's like, God damn it. I think, yeah, you should be open to the concept of like uh, the Fremen keep secrets to themselves. Yeah. So, so no, I'm gonna on be, the fence again. I'm get, oh. There's going to be shades of it that need I feel like I'm going to be wrong on both. And it's just going to be some dude we haven't met yet. <laughs> Kynes is a twin. Uh, that's why we get confused. Uh, I will tell you, Mike, our Liette answer is coming. Next is chap- it? Next chapter. Oh, finally. I want to get you, you can some, at least put this to rest. Get you some closure. I need a win, Derek. <laughs> and uh, I like a, how it is a, I knew the answer without asking. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, these people. And uh, I think it, though, is more like uh, beyond the double take on fate. Just that he did know the Duke was passed. Yeah. Um, but the relief that Paul is safe must be nice. Or at least that he knows now Paul's not dead. Doesn't know exactly what's up with Paul. Because again, he is going to be very confused with the word Liet. And probably still, Hawat would only know it as God at this point. An ambiguous religious term with the Fremen. Because he compiled that report right. in the beginning of the book. Now, at this point, Hawat, I think he, he must be glancing backwards and he notices all the men are like listening and kind of like on it. I <laughs> mean, going on? there's nothing else happening around them at this point. Uh, that's no going back to Caladan and Arrakis is gone as well mm-hmm. or may as well be gone. Yeah, it, they're both lost. Like, well, yeah, like, what do they do? Oh, uh, they, they must just be wallowing in hopelessness. I, I don't know what they could possibly see as like a way out. Yeah, honestly, they're just looking at Thufir for an answer. Mm-hmm. If Thufir doesn't have an answer, then they are as good as dead. Yep. And so Hawat, with that pressure on, like he still has to get information out of his Fremen to the best that he's able to. Mm-hmm. So he asks uh, about Idaho and he learns that Idaho was in the house when the shield fell, but nothing else is known. Oh. So. Ooh. So wait, he was in the house. Mm-hmm. So he's probably, he... he's probably still locked in that room where he had to hang over in the East Wing. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Two days later. Two days later. Yeah. No, do you think that uh, Yui ran to Duncan right away? No, he didn't because. Oh, oh I see what you're saying. With the timeline. Yui of, must have let Duncan know ahead of time prior to putting the shield down because. Okay. Of- what? Uh, well, I think I see what you're building off of. Yeah. I think what we know Idaho. No, he was with the. He was sent back from the Fremen. To watch Jessica. So that would have been the night he was drunk. Yeah, I don't know how the Fremen would know that he was in the house that night when it fell. Because well, Supposedly a Fremen did send a message to the house. Maybe someone saw Duncan. Right, right. But then we have Yui, though, specifically told us he wasn't there when the shield fell. Because we know Yui triggered it, captures Leto, puts the package in. At that point... Idaho's already gone because when he's putting the package in, he's like, he's like, Idaho better be there. Yeah, yeah, this exactly. is all, this is all. He must have told him right before doing the shield. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Or at least like, uh, this Fremen is definitely that we, we shouldn't dig. This is like a hundred percent that. No. Like, yeah. I don't think Idaho was in the house when the shield went down. Just a weird discrepancy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I it's people acting off of the information they know. We're right. also told Jessica's a traitor in this chapter. Wait, so. Jessica's not the traitor? <laughs> what? Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> You're telling me Yui. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Failing up, buddy. Failing up. So then uh, we're going to get a look at some uh, faulty Mentac logic following this. <laughs> of course. She dropped the shield and let the Harkonnens, in the Harkonnens, he thought, I was the one who sat with my back to the door. How could she do this when it was meant, when it meant also turning against her own son? But 
who knows how a Bene Gesserit witch <laughs> but thinks. But he almost answers his own question. He's like, there's so no close. way she would do He's, it. I feel like the ellipsis in the uh, dialogue here oh. is like his mentat mind be like, no, no, the answer. And he's like, no, the witch did it. And it's like, no. Oh, you're so hey, close. Piter's plan is still working. Yeah, even oh. in death, Piter can't, can't fail. That guy's perfect. Perfect Piter mentat. Perfect Piter mentat. So... Asking uh, again about the boy uh, being like Paul the Fremen is sort of unwilling to elaborate on his information sources. Which is like how he knows these things. Uh, probably they've got they've got spies everywhere. I bet shadow mapes. Yeah, that's oh, that's right. That was their spy master. Yeah, we got double we got mapes. spies everywhere. The Fremen, like this, is the Fremen's planet. Mm-hmm. I don't think that illusion. I, I think that that's just becoming more and more clear to me. That, like <laughs> this place is the Fremen, and the people are allowed to occupy <laughs> yeah. just so the Fremen get left alone. <laughs> So instead now the Fremen, he's going to ask Khaled about these big guns the Harkonnens were using. Oh, yeah, the artillery. Mm-hmm. Which, again, through fear, left field, like, totally didn't even think of. It's like, oh, yeah, I know we can't use shields here, so why didn't I think of using old artillery? And I wonder how long that card's been in this Fremen's hand. Of Like, that seems like this is what he really wanted to get out of. Maybe, that, or, yeah, yeah, maybe something he really needs to extract from He Khaled. wants more information on it because mm-hmm. he knows that his bosses want more exactly. information. And then this is, again, where it can't be God because we're talking about Liet again as like Liet wants to know this and like Liet has strong feelings about this it's like it's got to be a person again God comes in many forms Mike (laughs) (laughs) but uh, uh, that's also where we get the Stilgar drop for his name yes yes and well just for this uh, how about in telling him he's like uh, you know like like you said he catches him out of left field he doesn't really know how to answer that question Mm -hmm. so he's just sort of replies like I have theoretical knowledge of such like Like no one uses them it's like Can you tell me how a musket works exactly? It's like I sort of yeah, bro, I can ballpark it. <laughs> yeah. Like we can we can go workshop one, I guess. Yeah, but it's like, like why? <laughs> it's not my forte. Yeah. I don't see the point. <laughs> and uh, we bring up the caves that you know that they were uh, sealed into. And the Fremen, I love how just again straightforward. Like he's not going to sugarcoat things for you. Mm. And he just tells him like, oh yes. Any man that goes into a cave with no other exit deserves to die. <laughs> like, that's basically you choosing death. Yeah. When going in there. And that there's sort of like a self-reliance that the, the Zensuni have just built within them as, um, oh, what do I want to say? Um, as like a guarantee almost, you know, within each yeah. individual. And that the community as a whole recognizes the importance of that among them. Like, yeah, each of us needs to be. And then through that self-reliance, our whole community is so much stronger. And the Fremen says that, yeah, Liet, he wants information on these guns. And how he says that was a joke. I'm just like, well, <laughs> go get one then. <laughs> he sort of sneers it at the, uh, the Fremen. Oh, oh yeah, no. Okay, never mind. Because uh, at this point, I feel like how he's sort of losing patience with his side of the conversation, being on like this really irrelevant topic. To him. Like, why are we talking about artillery guns? Like, this doesn't matter. Uh, we're talking killing Fremen and saving my men. And in like throwing this out to the Fremen, just responds like, "Oh yes, yes, we took one. Yeah, <laughs> that was <laughs> it's like if you want it one so bad, you should just take one. It's like, yeah, we we did that, but we still want to know about it. Yeah, we got one. Stilgar can study it, and Liet can see it if he wants. So like, not only did they take it, they carted <laughs> it, carted it back to a CH in P, in whole. Like, yeah, I just love it. it's like you 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 actually <gasps> took one. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, they probably used like a thopter to transport it, but I just imagine like, do you think you could haul a, an artillery without rhythm through the desert? Probably <laughs> not. <laughs> just like shifting it side to side. No. They only lost two men taking it and spilled the water from more than a hundred of theirs. Yeah, we kind of get this idea of what that scene was like. And the Fremen said, oh, it was a good fight, uh, Kyle the Fremen said. <laughs> <laughs> we lost only two men and spilled the water of more than a hundred of theirs. 
There were Sadukar at every gun, Halat thought. This desert madman speaks casually of losing only two men against Sadokar? And then Kyle continues casually. We wouldn't have lost the two except for some of them were really tough. Yeah, beside the Harkonnens. Yeah, the we ones killed, with we the killed all the Harkonnens. And there are these two oddballs who are pretty good at what they do. And uh, wonder how it's many kind of limps out of the rocks. <laughs> like, oh. So this is one of the ten wounded guys. Yeah. is coming up to be like, are you Theoretically, one of the few survivors from the Sardaukar. Yeah, he's like, he can't, he can't mean it. How it's like, he means it. <laughs> and the Fremen then is just like, wait, stop. Those, wait, those were those guys. That was it. He's like, guys, guys. <laughs> those were the guys. And then I love it's like, do you know who they were? Which like, well, yeah, because well, first there appears to be glee in his voice <laughs> at learning this. Like, yeah. And then he's just like, oh, well, that was a good night need. Which legion do you know? <laughs> and for me, like, I wonder, do you think they hold a grudge? Against like a specific legion of like the ones that came oh. to either Poratrin or uh, what was the second world that the Sadokar came to that they didn't have to go to? Oh, jeez, I don't remember. Because oh, it went, it was Rorsalok and Harmanth, maybe Ish, no, Ishio was the other, it might have, maybe it was Poratrin. Uh, but there's another easy world, yeah. And the Sadokar just show up. And so I wonder if they have like a kill list in their head of like the, the legions they've crossed paths with to be like, those ones suck. That's interesting. I didn't even think about that. And that'd probably still be within their like recorded history. Well, yeah, because they have a Reverend Mother history. Yeah. Where it's an unbroken, complete access. So yeah, because clearly it means they are familiar with the uh, setup of the Sadokar, calling them legions and right. knowing that. Uh, Obviously, they would have that personal, you know, a whole half of their population and spent some time on Seleucia Secundus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they do know them within the ins and outs. They would even have a thorough understanding of the religion of the Sadokar and just the mystiques of their organization, hmm. too. So uh, a weird camaraderie that even the Sadokar might appreciate if they understood, which they totally don't. Which I wouldn't. They do not have the same <laughs> history techniques no. that the, uh, the Zensuni have. They probably don't even remember that they were ever on Seleucus. Probably not. They don't do time. a lot of history. <laughs> yeah, not their strong suit. No. Uh, no, they kind of cut that out of the education. Now, uh, so the Fremen, he brings up how strange it was for these those guys to wear Harkonnen uniforms. Because he's like, it was so obvious to us. Like, why did they do that? What was the point of that? And like, uh, I think how oh, I probably just have to explain a little Imperium in and out of it. Like, that's just a show. For, it's just like, it's really for us. It's like, yeah, but like, yeah, yeah. And, but uh, you know, this out of cards. It's like, okay, I don't have time for this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about water. Good God. <laughs> it's like, and sorry, we would have learned anyways who they were. We sent three of them yeah. captive to be questioned. It. Like, wait, you captured Sardaukar. You captured more than one? Captured three. And that like floors the rest of the yeah. troopers that are listening. I mean, everybody's jaws on the ground. I love how like uh, humble and matter of fact Kyle is here. Only three of them. Just three. You know. That was kind of like a that was like a courtesy we gave them. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we only needed to capture one. It's just more reliable. And how it just he's thinking of he's, I think he's even daydreaming of just like what a force these guys are. Imagine Mike if we had had that full year just to get <laughs> if through. We could have trained them and armed them. I think they're plenty well trained and armed to be honest like yeah really yeah i guess that training was really gonna be reverse on that training <laughs> yeah, the training exactly i feel like that was some pretty backwards thinking there's a lot of misses on Thufir's part here but he is tired i'll give him that <laughs> he's very tired he's more tired than he's ever been in yeah, his life yeah all right we're gonna give him some slack today uh and this is again this is gonna be a, another revelation uh i I'm going to put it on equal footing with like Jessica's abilities. Yeah. Of, like he's learning so much this year. Uh, <laughs> this is like an eye opening <laughs> experience for Hala. 
And now their next dialogue is where like the Fremen kind of it puts or yeah the Fremen puts everything into terms. We kind of get everybody on the same page at this yeah. point, and Kyle breaks through and talking to Thufir, and he's like, "Perhaps you delay because of worry over the Lisan Al Gaib. If he is truly the Lisan Al Gaib, harm cannot touch him. Do not spend thoughts on a matter which has not been proved." Now it's now he's now That's, he's like thinking, "Oh wait, I think I see it," because he understands. The implication of Lisan on Gaib better right. than better than Liet, and now knowing like okay, he means Paul whenever he's saying that. Right, right, right. So he's sort of like I serve the Lisan on Gaib. That to me, that's very like uh, you know Ghostbusters. If yeah. they ask if you're a god, say you're a god. Just yeah. say yes. <laughs> Just like, say yes. Like, yeah, I work for God. <laughs> um, and, uh, it's like. I pledge to him. His welfare is my concern. And oh, wait a second. Pledge was the word. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I feel like that's a word we're going to see a lot more once we get uh, a little bit more involved with Fremen. Uh, I, uh, I don't think it's going to like have that big of like um, the other words we've seen are like pity. And uh, what was the one that Mapes used that kept coming up? I don't know. Oh, not like Maker. Um, with her and Jessica that we're talking, though, um, there are some words. I don't think we're going to see pledge as often, though. But it, it is like uh, for the Fremen, though, it triggers like your pledge to his water. Uh, and I guess kind of like oath between them. I really i am stretched. I can't gotcha. think of what I got for mates and uh, her. But so the pledge like triggers him. It's like, oh, your pledge to his water. He's like, that's what you mean by pledged, right? And yeah. how it's like, oh, it's like, I did it. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> Bring shattering glass. That's it. Yeah. Like, Bring through. How he glances at his aides. He's like staring at the revenue. He returns looking back. I think he he was hoping for confirmation. Like, are you following this? Like, did I do it? And to his water. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, that's just it for the Fremen. He's like, oh, so we need to go to Erekin, to the place of his water. And just like this must be so confusing like, for how I yes he just he just yes is all he <laughs> yes. says pretty much he just repeats what's to the place yes to the place of his water just like just keep saying it back the last thing he said to you Kyle's just like why didn't you say it was about water there's always a place a way to get to water come on let's go stands up puts his nose plugs in like <laughs> Kyle is set he's just like we could have had this hours ago oh god and now I feel like how he must not be fully caught up but still like lingering up just like what did I disagree to of like uh, and he motions his aide uh, kind of go back to the men and like all those men start conversing like mm-hmm. they're trying to figure out what just happened too and we but find it, out that hmm. Arky just died yeah we didn't even know Arky in life but he's yeah. dead oh good luck Bob. it's nice to know he's like our party of the Atreides troopers <laughs> oh, no you should have spoke up party we could have said something Arky party like if their name ends with an E does that mean they're wearing a red shirt <laughs> yeah, is that, like, is that our telltale yeah. sign? Yeah, that's why Gurney gets a Y. <gasps> it's close. He's right on the edge, but he, oh. he, that's why he fits anywhere in the Frau Felicius. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Gurney has like a tie-dye red shirt. <laughs> You'll never get me. <laughs> and um, the next thing we know, it's like, yeah, the aides kind of call up. And like, uh, you know, Harky just died. And the Fremen, again, we get this um, the so, same gesture. Yeah. This, no, this. This is the gesture gesture that uh uh who was it Scarface did. It was either Scarface or uh Cizago, uh one of those two. I can't remember which one, but Wait, I, who? The other guy in the Thopter. Okay. See it was like Cizago or something. C Z I G O. And okay. he uh I think he might have done it 
talking about that power. And we either way, we were trying to figure out like what that meant. Right. And now I'm more confused because the Fremen do it. Yeah. The, I, I feel like it's just like some sort of ex, like common expression. I guess. I mean, I don't know. Look at like, how do you put your, I don't know. I don't even like, you, you I'm can't tell to, at home, but we're both like making really dumb. I'm putting like my fist to my ear. Yeah. Like, do you put it straight on? Like you're punching your I ear. Don't do you know. put the bottom of your hand? Do you put it sideways? I feel like it if you sideways. put the bottom, it sounds sort of echoey and it's like, I can hear the ocean. <laughs> Uh, I got nothing though. And, uh, he, so him putting his fist to the ear, he says the bond of water, it's a sign. And, uh, he stares down at Haba and we have a place nearby for accepting the water. Shall I call my men? That puts Hawa in a tough position. Yeah. And he's like, uh, you know, the aide comes back, uh, telling him like, Hey, you know, a couple of little men of wives and Erekeen. You know, they want to know, you know, you know how it is at a time like this. I think just trying to like, we really want to get home as bad as we can. They're worried about their families, but we have people stretched all over this planet. This yeah. is, this is the point where they finally are on the same page. Now, Thufir knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Cause like Thufir can't even talk to that. Again, the Fremen is still like pressing Thufir yeah. and he's just like, it is the bond of water. Thufir, how what? And he's asking him this while this Fremen or while his aide is also talking to him inside and Arki has just died. So how has got these three pressures kind of pushing down on him. Well, he's and got a plan that works for the last two questions. Just repeat <laughs> whatever Kyle says. Repeat what it says in the in the affirmative. The bond of water. Yeah. And how about he's, he gets it now. Water-wise, he understands. And he's just worried how his men are going to react when they catch up to where yeah. he is. They're like, I, I'm a mentat. I know I got like 30 seconds before they're where I am. And how accepts the bond of water. When he does, that's when the Fremen takes his hand from his ear. And so he, like, he's holding it to his ear while he's yeah. waiting for him to accept the bond. So again, I don't know what that gesture means. If anybody knows, please send me an email. Give me a lengthy essay on it. Uh, <laughs> I would love any explanation. because I, I am totally at a loss here. And uh, once Hawa accepts the bond of water, hmm. like uh, a couple of the Fremen lotus and four Fremen gracefully and quickly move up the They've rocks. They've been there the whole time. So, yeah, well, he said he had his true men like right there with him. Oh. So I feel like they were lingering sort of like, oh, they're probably actually keeping the real watch yeah. on everything, right? And they just move through. I just imagine them silent as a witch, like just their robes yeah. fluttering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They whoop, they wrap up Arky in a robe and whoop, they just run right past all the troopers. And everyone's just like, oh, what? What? What's doing <laughs> with Arky? And uh, how he tries to downplay it. <laughs> they're they're going to bury him. They're just taking <laughs> he's him going up, to the he's farm. Going upstate. He's going to run around <laughs> and uh, they got a nice little oasis. And they're just like, wait a second. They don't bury their dead. <laughs> Because we know what the Fremen do with their dead. Yeah. Well, we know better than they do. The men definitely have sort of like um, probably an almost insulting interpretation of it. Just out of misunderstanding. Right. It's, um, I mean, it's a cultural difference. Yeah, exactly. So we get the, the Fremen coloring back of just like paradise were sure for a man who died in the service of Lisan al-Gaib. If it is the Lisan al-Gaib you serve, as you have said... Why raise mourning cries? The memory of one who died in this fashion will live as long as the memory of man endures. Hey, that's that, really good. That puts me at ease. I'd, yeah. feel, I'd feel a little bit better hearing that. Uh, well, then have an interval. One of them has a last gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, he starts, like, drawing that up, too. <laughs> oh, that, hey, no shields out here, at least. Yeah. And uh, how he gets up and he kind of barks at his men. Just custom differs, but it's all respect. It's like, that is really great. Mm. Just cutting right to the point. He's yeah. sort of getting a little Fremen edge to him. But he's like, no, we have to understand. And uh, the Fremen think that uh, 
Oh, all these, they just want to go. They want to come along? They want to go to the ceremony? Is that it? That we didn't invite them? My, my apologies. You can come. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, dear God. Again, smacking on the forehead. <laughs> you poor sweet Kyle. <laughs> and he's like, no, they're concerned for a respected comrade. And the how and the friends tell him, like, we're going to treat him like our own. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the bond of water. We know the rights. A man's flesh is his own. The water belongs to the tribe. I love that. That is so good. That is something that will always come. Yeah, I feel like it totally will. The water always belongs to the tribe. Um, What we'll learn, Mike, when we start mingling with the Fremen Mm -hmm. is they keep uh, their water in like a cistern. Right. So you're always emptying your leader, John, into like a communal pool. Oh, I didn't know that. So like you, let alone like figuratively, like you literally, all your water is together. Wow. Because like there's no good place to store all your water. Right. Like we're not all going to have a little fridge or whatever. Like right, right, right. We're going to put it deep in a rock, in this rock cistern, and we're all going to put our stuff in Is the wall dipper the one that sort of redistributes it? Uh, no. So that was sort of a uh, a misnomer for that, oh, okay. where she bags the water of life, and that's a religious title. The water, the, I'm sorry, what? Again, we'll touch on it when we get there. Oh, I didn't even hear what you said. The, uh, the water of life. Uh, we explained what it, we, I did tell you in the moment. You'll have to play back that episode if you don't remember. Oh, <laughs> moving on. Uh, so how about uh, he speaks up quickly from this, uh, especially to that man with the lays gun, because that guy like advances another step. And will you now help our wounded? Mm-hmm. Sort of puts that question to Kyle. Kyle is like, oh, one does not question the bond. We will do for you what the tribe does for its own. It's like you're part of the tribe now. <laughs> First, we gotta get you guys steel suits. Like <laughs> you, you need clothes. <laughs> and like at that the guys are sweating money. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the guy with the lays gun is like, we're getting stuff. <laughs> like, wait a second. Uh, put this down a little bit. And then everyone starts to come to terms. Like they're not completely buying it, but they they use that phrase. <laughs> they're then. just like, are we buying help with our keys? <laughs> Water, Water. <laughs> uh, and it's like no, we don't. We don't buy their help. Where what does he say? We've joined these people. We've joined their tribe, and I think one of the other men just mutters like, "Customs differ." <laughs> <laughs> like okay, okay, it's, uh, it's growing on him a little bit. And uh, the Fremen assures them, "Like hey, we're gonna kill together. Gonna kill Harkonnens and Grind and Sardaukar. <laughs> he wants to fight more Sardaukar. He really, he does not want to fight Harkonnens anymore. I think he's just so stoked. And he listens and hears that an aircraft is coming. Just a little something in the air, more before anyone else does. And he's like, oh, everyone, under that rock. Now now he's given the orders. Now Kyle's in charge. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, orders among the Fremen are, it's a little different. It's a little different. So, because, like, again, like, all of them are, you know, that equal responsibility. Right. So, I think this is sort of like whoever would hear that would give that order. And, right. like, yeah, everyone knows. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Because, like, there's just that level of trust among them. They're all there for the same reason, for the right reason. Um, but certainly they still have a hierarchy because we know mm-hmm. Naib is going to be, like, a leader. And that's, like, you don't you don't go against don't quite, Naib. Yeah. Um, so, Eric. they all hide under there. Yeah. We're, yeah. get, we're getting to something cool. We're getting to something really cool. Yeah. Mark, cause the, so the friend is like, he's not just hiding. He's going to pull out a little cage. So he's got this little box. And uh, it was between, it was uh, beneath his robe. And he pulls out of that a bat, Mike. Tiny bat. It's a sea lago. With blue and blue eyes. I didn't even think about the fact that they would have blue eyes. Wouldn't the bat's eyes like be black anyway? Maybe its ears are blue. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know if they have like people's kind of like that you would be able to see. Maybe, but. So it just I thought it was funny that they point that out. And so the Fremen takes a bat. He uh, drops a little bit of saliva into the bat's mouth. 
And then we talked about so he's given the bat water and the mm. bat's going to do. Yeah, because what I love. So when he does yeah. that, the bat like stretches its wings, but he's like, I'm not going anywhere. I just got water. And he's like happy. He's just waiting. Like that bat is totally content with Payment life received. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> love getting out of my cage. And uh, he pulls out a small little tube, Kyle the Fremen, that is. And he sort of like puts it to the bat's ear and he just sort of like so whispers chatters into it. Into the tube? Into the tube. Into the bat's ear. Is the tube ear. like some sort of, is it, what's the tube do? Oh, Mike. So our, is it like a uh, cipher or something? Uh, yeah, yeah, close. Uh, we are going to do our deep dive today on this exact phenomenon. Oh, this is the distrans. Oh yeah. Oh, we're finally going to learn a little bit more about it. Yeah, this is our Fremen communication. <laughs> that is awesome. This is going to be like a little Fremen. Uh, not really a cell phone, but it's like a home <laughs> cell phone. <laughs> You'll see. Okay. It, it's like leaving a voicemail. Okay. Um. So, like I said, he points at that tube. He does it. He then um he puts the small tube back in. And then uh, he just throws the bat into the air. And that bat just goes and flies off. And uh, the Fremen, he folds his cage up, puts it back in his robe. And uh, again, he he, be- he bends his head and he's sort of like listening. And then he sort of lets uh, Howat know of like, yeah, they've been like quartering this whole area of the desert, searching for um, something. Mm-hmm. And Howat's like, yes, it's known that we came in this direction. To which the Fremen gives us a nice little uh, Fremen maxim. One should never presume one is the sole object of a hunt. And again, that's a lesson they've learned through history. Right. Many a time. I'm just like, don't make any presumptions like that. And <laughs> that's the guy who gets shipped off off planet. <laughs> that's how you guys get separated. And he tells them now to like, watch oh. the other side of the basin. You will see a thing. So this is where our other Fremen are going to show up. And thank God we gave Kyle a name. because It's going to make it easier to discern between the two groups <laughs> yeah. from now on. Looking over across this basin, uh, they see like a limited movement on the opposite cliff, and uh, the Fremen is satisfied that his message was delivered. That was really quick. That was really, well, it didn't have that far to go. Yeah. It's within visual distance, but like, yeah, it went right to where we needed. Now these guys are cruising. So the Fremen then, I think, uh, probably like motions them to all silence, and they all just like watch, mm-hmm. remaining perfectly quiet. And a band of six men make their way over the sand. But they're not moving, like, gracefully or skillfully. It looks like they're really having a heavy time moving through the sand. They're just dragging their feet. It's very obvious six men are, like, plowing through the dirt right now. Hey. Huh. Super obvious as the ship comes into view. They appeared to be Fremen. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think that message said? <sighs> Knowing where this chapter goes. I don't know. I don't know what it would say. So I think the message that he sent was telling the Fremen band that he traveled down here with to come make a distraction. Uh, like as the Thopter's coming, to be like, no. Because it only was, it was in response to the Thopter. He throws the bat out. Like the bat flies gotcha. over to them. So I think he's like, get that Thopter over to you. Like, let's bring a trap. Get the Thopter. Because mm-hmm. like, if it comes and finds them right now, we're kind of screwed. And this, right. And, uh, and he oh, doesn't have a lot of no, faith no, no. in... He also has to tell them that these men are part of the tribe. Mm. That's true. Like, uh, this is, yeah, this is our people now are here. So that that does change things, too, a little bit for whatever they were planning beforehand. So at this point, like, they are just silently watching, and these six men are really obviously coming down the dune slope or making their way through the desert Gotcha. Very okay, slowly. so I was, okay, I think I misunderstood this when I read it. I thought they were people trying to disguise themselves as Fremen, but these are actually Fremen being super obvious on the desert. Yeah, 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 because we're going to Okay, go, that makes so much more sense. Of, like, yeah, of the, yeah, where they would come from. Because um, then, uh... Once these stopters, they fly over Hawat's men, and uh, the Fremen that I love that are out there, they kind of like wave. It's like, hey, yeah. hi guys. Hey. Oh. 
And uh, the Thopters are like, what the hell? What are they <laughs> like, doing? Swoop back. And the Thopters, we get a cool visual that they, uh, they're they still green, the Atreides green, but they have like Harkin colors like splashed onto them. Like they were just throwing <laughs> buckets of paint. <laughs> just real quick. <laughs> um <laughs> Real Harkonnen mentality right there. It tells you when you raid, you have Sardaukar and you have paint. <laughs> Pockets of paint. <laughs> but you don't have time. That's what was in the drop boxes. <laughs> They're just giant water balloons. <laughs> yeah. You could drop some from space. Yeah. Hit that thopter. <laughs> um, so then the uh, the thopter like circles and then it lands uh, into and the like a whole bunch of Sardaukar get out and they surround those six people. Mm. That's why I think they are the Fremen. Since they surround them when they get out. Yeah. And so all six are just like, Rrr. and we can tell from where we are that uh, these Sotokar got on their fancy shields because they got a little shimmer to them. Oh, right. You that's not that. good. No, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. Because, like, actually, when that happens, the uh, uh, Kyle, the Mr. Fremen, he glances towards that hole in the open south wall. <laughs> and I feel like that was just like, worm sign. Uh, okay, okay, okay. We're good. We're good. Focus on We got some guys. time. <laughs> and then. Abruptly, the sand around the two groups sprouted Fremen. They were at the Ornithopter, then in it. Where the two groups had met at the dune crest, a dust cloud partly obscured violet motion. Presently, dust settled. Only Fremen remained standing. We didn't even see the fight. It happened so quickly. And none of them died. No, no. Not that great of fighters at this point. The Fremen then is like the Kyle, the Fremen that's with him. He's like, ah. They left only three men in their thopter. <laughs> I'm like, uh, that was fortunate. I don't believe we had to damage the craft. <laughs> like, any more people in that thing, and we would have just bumped some machinery around. One of them was just like, those were Sardaukars. Like, did you see how well they fought? <laughs> Gone in a second. That, yeah, that is such. I hope that's in the movie. Yeah. Like, just I hope, that yeah. dust cloud and it, and it's just the Fremen left yeah. behind. Like, oh, Ooh. I can see that being super spooky. <laughs> yeah. Especially if all you see is like the black Bil- silhouettes and the blue eyes. And, it was like, and we've built up the Sadokar and we've seen the Sadokar strike at this point. Yeah. This is the first time we're seeing the Fremen overthrow them so we easily. We haven't really seen the Sadokar strike. Of that assault on Arakeen, the like burning of the trees, the whole city being torn apart. We didn't really see them we, in no, action, we, we did not firsthand, but we get to see the aftermath of what happens when they land. Oh, they like strike. the wake of their carnage? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give you, yeah, we don't wait to watch anyone go up against them yeah it's uh and, it is, and the only guy we met had a clipboard i kind of wish that we did get a scene or two with sarkar doing some terrible stuff mm-hmm. like i think i just wanted to better appreciate how scary they're supposed to be yeah maybe even to like um make themselves look more darker than the harkonnens yeah 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 and sort of just reveling in the violence mm-hmm. uh and doing it for violence because so far all i really have gotten is like they're loyal to a like an intimidating fault to the emperor yeah to the emperor yeah and we'll they do their orders yeah. precisely if the emperor tells them to. Yeah. So their, their loyalty is without question in that respect. And uh, the Fremen that got in the Thopter, they now take off. They got thopter. a Thopter now. Yeah. Or one of them. One of them Free takes ride. Up, right? Yep. Yeah. There's just one that uh, pilots it up. And I think he's planning on flying it over to these guys. Gotcha. Because like, again, we have like 10 wounded in there. Right, right, right. They can't walk in the desert. The rest of the Fremen are probably just going to walk because mm-hmm. that's what they do. Uh, do their Fremen ways. And uh, the men on the dune uh, across from where Hawat and Kyle the Fremen are, he waves like this green square kind of in their direction. Mm -hmm. And that's like a signal that more are coming. Right. So Kyle's just like, wait, not yet. There's more. And uh, I think at this point, two other thopters fly over and they arrive at that scene of the attack. Suddenly devoid of all Fremen. Man, 
they are just like, it's like a magic show at this yeah. point. Boom, boom, where'd they go? <laughs> and uh, these two thopters touch down. And so there's just dead Sadokar everywhere. And um, another thopter glide in over the cliff wall above Hawa. He drew in a sharp breath and he saw it. A big troop carrier. It flew with the slow spread wing heaviness of a full load. Like a giant bird coming to its nest. Like, oh my god. And at that point, like, the two thopters that were ahead of this troop carrier, they're, like, strafing the ground with laser fire now. Yeah. Just cutting it so up. So laser, uh, lasgun fire is purple. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think we, we got that one. And the other colors were, like, the jet flares and stuff when we saw the orange glows and whatnot. Right, right. Of like, I'm talking about that scene where Paul saw, like, the different color lights in the right, sky. Right, so, like, the purple, yeah, I think the the purple guns. is laser guns. Yeah, color. that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, wait a second. What's up? Is this happening at the same time as the first chapter? Is this this like the scene of colors that Paul sees? Oh, uh, didn't was possibly Paul what? was wasn't Paul at night though when he saw that? Oh, it was because I think it, he's looking over like moon crested again, right? And, and we're seeing it light up like a naval. Is battle the sun? Night. This were in the daytime. Is it the daytime? It was dawn. Wait, okay. it was dawn when we started because there, there was a pink coloration on everything at the what? beginning of the okay. chapter. I just want to. Oh, that would have been super cool. You checking checking your time yeah, I'm stamps? Ch- I'm gonna check it real quick. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So that so, w- that would be a great connecting. That moment. would be a really cool thing. Uh, I think we can assume that it was part of their like uh, their program in the desert, where they're like you know, right. searching out for anyone and everything Atreides. But yeah, okay. Uh, I, I wish we could connect the two scenes. We've tried that with a couple things. Yeah, like, yeah, is yeah. it is it this one moment? Uh, but so they are they are just lighting that up. And uh, then Hobbit's attention is caught by a flash of sun on metal to the south. A thopter plummeting there in a power dive, wings folded flat against its side, its jets a golden flare against the dark silvered gray of the sky. It plunged like an arrow toward the troop carrier, which was unshielded because of lasgun activity around it. Straight into the carrier, the diving thopter <laughs> You can plunged. have one or the other. You can't yeah, have guys, both. <laughs> guys, same page. What are we doing? Um, and, oh, man, it just, it just goes in like a missile. Yeah, and there's a geyser of red-orange that shoots skyward and sand everywhere. Would you call it? carrier goes down. Would you call it a pillar of fire? I think I would. (laughs) Everybody's going to follow it. And then, like, I love Kyle, though, not even phased by this. Mm -mm. And they just, like, that is a a very reasonable exchange for 300 Sadokar in that carrier. Meanwhile, Hawas was like, what the hell? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Who are these people? (laughs) What did we join? (laughs) Yeah, this is our tribe now. I thought I was on the same page before. And, and then Kyle, the other thing he's talking about, like, ah, oh, well, we're going to have to take care of their water and then get another thopter, I guess, because <laughs> yeah. our ride's gone. I really hope to get away with out more inconvenience. Like, inconvenience are <laughs> funny for our lives. It's like, eh. Yeah, and then so with that, it's just like, again, I think that uh, that recognition of uh, how war can be fought is, again, shattered in his mind. I like, think, I uh, didn't know you could do that. <laughs> I think uh, has eaten some of his... Uh, old words uh he's got some unlearning to do he's got a lot of unlearning <laughs> yeah. to do yes yeah he's like you think he's warming up to the guy's health again <laughs> probably not <laughs> not entirely um but that does that bring, brings us to like the end of it and uh all of our fortunes kind of turn in the other direction in these last paragraphs mike i'm gonna read them out for you a rain of mm. blue uniforms came over the cliff wall in front of them falling in low suspenser slowness in the flashing instant Hawat had time to see that they were Sadokar, hard faces set in battle frenzy, that they were unshielded and each carried a knife in one hand, a stunner in the other. 
a thrown knife caught Hawat's Kyle Fremen, companion in the throat. Want to try that one again? Hurtling him backward, twisting face down. Hawat had only time to draw his knife before blackness of a stunner projectile felled him. Kyle's dead. Kyle's dead. I, I liked Kyle. Kyle was, he was a great, a great impression of a Fremen to me. I think mm. he did everything he was supposed to in telling us what these men were about and setting their character up for yeah. us. Yeah. Man. And their mindset too. Oh, they were so happy to be in that fight with the Sardaukar. So, so good. Yeah. That's what, that's what I, I do actually love that like, so this is probably the way Kyle wanted to go. Oh, you think so? Like, Dude, oh yeah, well in, in a fight with the Sardaukar. In a fight with the Sardaukar. Yeah. And like, that does, I think this also puts like, yeah, Sardaukar aren't that bad. They just, they just ambushed some Fremen, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it was one Fremen, but like the others are on the other side of the cliff. Yeah. But hey, they did it. And uh, where the hell did they come from? Um, the cliff. <laughs> well, yeah, but were they up there the whole time? Yeah, like, I, don't, I don't know. I guess. Was I, there another Thopter? I guess like, that's a good question. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume there was another Thopter we didn't see that maybe touched down, but. That's our chapter. <sighs> yeah. That's so, pretty good. I enjoyed that a lot. I really wish that you're right. I wish that was the first chapter going it, in. Yeah, it's like right it's off the bat really, into action. You get like you learn about the Fremen. You learn about the Sadokar. You you watch them both fight. <laughs> you see a new kind of Thopter. You learn about all those ships, and then at the very end, you get the like the rug pulled out underneath you. And now, Mike, you got to consider that Thufir has just been captured. Oh God, what do you think that means? I I don't even know. Who do you think captured him? I mean, the Sardaukar. Well, yeah. So, but uh, as what an extension, mean, like, I mean, do you think it's for the Baron or do you think it's for the Emperor? Oh, because I, I, I get it. that it's a Sardaukar. I feel like it's for the Baron. All right. So, what is what is the Baron? Want Why would for? the Emperor want to fear? I mean, he is the greatest mentality. You know, he's got that. Rep- he's got the reputation as like. The I was most- gonna say, he's got the reputation. Yeah, yeah. As the most formidable. We know he's got uh, some things. But hey, I, I didn't maybe actually that undermines that. how much other mentats suck. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe just the maybe, broken school. Maybe like we're like suits. looking at the scale wrong. <laughs> Piter uh, was the only one that really mattered. Yeah, yeah. So like, I can see the Baron would obviously want to replace Piter. True. He, he wouldn't. The I don't think Emperor would go for. Okay. Yeah, putting him in a Harkin in playpen. Yeah. No. Uh, and then what would the Emperor do with Thufir Hala? Oh gosh, I don't know. Well, he is now. You you've put a little bit of uncertainty in here because I didn't even think about the emperor taking him. I thought it was just going to be like captive or prisoner, tortured for information or something by the baron. But mm-hmm. you know, I, that's still possible. Yeah, right. I didn't consider that. Like maybe the emperor has some plan for him. Which <laughs> poor two fears. Like, do I hang out with the Harkonnens or do do I go hang out with guys Helmahayim? I'm not really happy. Oh in either yeah. Case. Oh man. Oh poor Thufir. He's so yeah. That's not a good place to be. He really just needs to go to two pile and retire. <laughs> Just needs a little two pile. Ah, but so I think that's the last little twist for the chapter. Do you have any questions about that? That whole thing that we just No, I think I think we covered that pretty uh pretty solidly. Yeah, that's cool. Again, great chapter. Well, let's let's hop into this deep dive mic. Yeah, so let's let's rewind back to that bat. Distrans. Distrans. Because I got some cool bat facts too mm-hmm. that I learned. So when we did uh the word was uh Cielago? Cielago. I misspoke and I said that Chiroptera was like the Latin word for it. Latin word for bat? Not the Latin word for bat. Okay. But you know what it is. But it is Latin, right? Uh, oh, damn it. <laughs> I didn't do my homework entirely. <laughs> I, think, I think it is because what it actually is is the order that they are in. Oh, okay. So like if you remember your kingdom phylum, right, class, right, right, order, right. genus, species, that's the order of them. Okay. It's so it's a pretty broad spectrum. Yep. It's going to cover like every species of bat. Every, gotcha. every genus of bat even. So in Cielago is specifically a bat. Cielago are the native bats of Arrakis. Oh. So even a little, so it's going to be probably like a species of bat is specifically the Cielago. 
Gotcha. That is native to Arrakis, so it pr- must mean like a water adaptation of some form. Maybe it's gonna be what I in assume. the glossary it says specifically it's a type of bat that is specifically modified for distrans. Okay, interesting. So, so the, the, I, the I, encyclopedia. Okay, that must be the characterization yeah. then of like the Fremen augmented it. Yeah, because we're gonna learn in the, in this month the dis, the distrans is invented by the Fremen. Oh, really? This is a technology they developed. Is they, it wait? Is it known amongst other people yet? It is. They they made it a long time ago. So let, let's dive right into this. Yeah, thing. sure. So distrans is actually a conjunction going to be two words combined together dispersoid transponder dispersoid is uh going to be like a word i believe it's uh kind of derived out of chemistry and it means like finely divided particles of one substance dispersed in another oh okay okay that's going to be we're, with we'll, you. We'll, we'll explain it as we go all right, right? so the dispersoid transponder becomes a distrans and so this was developed by the fremen while they were on poratrin hey which was Stop number one, when we uh, took them off Terra and right. we brought them into this world. And it was kind of a nice world. And uh, it ends up being perfected by the time they get to Arrakis. So I think um, probably from the first time they were picked up, and maybe in between those times, the technology would have eventually like filtered out uh, somewhat. But the, dispertra- the distrans in general, it, it encodes a message into the neural system of almost any creature. Right, because you said that it could happen. It happens to like a dude at some point. Happens to people. Yep. It actually, oh. uh, where we are in one oh one ninety one, which mm-hmm. is the current year in Dune, it's already happened. Oh, uh, there's already been a little Landsrad does a scientific uh, oh. thing. We're gonna get to right okay. at the end here. Okay. So uh, prior to the Butlerian Jihad, uh, research in mammalian nervous systems they led us down like two branches of discoveries. Right. So one was the actual thinking machines. Mm -hmm. Like as we did all this research into our nervous system and how this all works, we could replicate it mechanically. So we were able to develop thinking machines and uh, and just generally a a greater understanding of the natural phenomenon was sort of the other branch. That's what the Zen Sunnis focused on. Okay. Just sort of like really breaking down how it works naturally. And in doing so, they kind of were like, wait, I think we can like inject something into this and like hide it within your nervous system. So it's going to come in two parts, two-part system. So encoding the message and then decoding the message? That is the process. Okay. There, there are two physical components to it. Oh, okay. So you know there's a tube, right? right. And then there is also a, uh, a, uh, a wave translator. It's going to be a little crystal. And okay. then the uh, tube we're going to call an encoder-decoder tube. Okay. So that's Pretty, what I, that's yeah. very straightforward. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly what you thought it was. So th- that wave translator, like I said, it's a it's a tiny crystal. Mm-hmm. It's only about like five milligrams. It's really, really small. And it's going to get really light. Holy crap. Well, yeah, because it's going to go in your brain. Oh, because <laughs> we're going to do some surgery. And oh. we got we to put it in that vocal center in your brain, which is really easy to identify, apparently. And uh, you just plug it in there. I guess it's that easy. And, um, you know, let that let that thing, that creature that of inevitably a person eventually right. heal, heal up. And now they got the little wave translator. So then we have, uh, we call it the ED tube, encoder, decoder. And that's going to be about uh, nine to seven millimeters. What kind of tube is it called? ED. ED. Encoder, decoder. Gotcha. ED tube. Easy to remember. Yeah. And uh, I'm sorry. So it's uh, nine to seven millimeters in diameter. It's a little wide thing because that's what he chatters to. And the inside of it, it's lined and crisscrossed with polarized sugar wire. Oh, sugar wire. Yeah. It's used for so many different things. It's, it's so much a great product. Coming off of, do you remember what planet it's on? 
Oh, God, I don't remember. One, you should always go with your safety, Mike. It's a cause. No. <laughs> uh, actually, I think it is. A, or no, no, it's native to... It's, it's, on, it's on two different planets, at the yeah, very least. This one, Seleucus Secundus, is the one I was thinking of. Okay. Because uh, the emperor gets a little cut of this. I think yeah, this is okay. a product that he exports. Okay, so this is a Seleucus Secundus sure. export. Gotcha. And uh, so it's lined in there. It's polarized. It doesn't give me any other explanation of what, how that encoding, decoding has happened. Because um, I don't know what, what mechanism causes it. However, I do know how it's powered, and it's powered, the energy, it's going to come from the electromagnetic field from your hand. What? Yeah. So it doesn't need much. It just needs that little bit to it. Just a little bit of a zap there. So just by holding it, that's what charges it and gets that's it going. That's really cool. So it's, well, and very reliable. Mm-hmm. So think about these kind of people. Like right, right, right. The, these are the incentives who are developing this. They're going to make it like as sure of a thing as possible. So I got a little step by step of how you go about using this. So you're going to have, we are, let's say we already did that surgery on our bat. Our bat's all healed. Right. It's got that crystal in them. We need Good a name for this bat. Oh, oh, well, name your bat, Mike. It's going to be your little distrans bat. Oh, a distrans bat. Oh, I'm just putting on the spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Giovanni. Giovanni. Ah, perfect. So you get to this Giovanni. He's been nursing up for about a week. Okay. He's all healed now. He's pretty chipper. He's pretty happy. You're yep. training him. He's back. Got a rock it. in his head. So you pick him up. You uh, put that little tube to him. And you got to speak a password. It's been programmed. Oh, Giovanni, and that's going to be like activates it. Then you say your message, and uh, as you're saying your message, it's going to be the signal. It gets digitized by the sugar wire and transferred into that wave translator. So it's sort of like it's converting your message from the waves into something that can go in between this crystal and sugar wire, and then into your nervous system. Again, like the, I don't have an explanation from the encyclopedia. It so sounds like, very much like a microphone. Yeah, yeah, in a way. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, you know what? Well, I was, no, in the way that it takes analog pressure waves mm-hmm. and it converts it through a magnetic receiver into an electronic pulse signal. Ooh, perfect. There you go. Because you know what I just realized is what I uh, the follow up I meant to look into was sort of like how um, the first uh, was it? It's like a sonophone sonogram. What was, what was the recording device that? Um, Oh, I can't even remember the scientist, the guy who made the light bulb, Edison. Made. <laughs> it's oh, like you got to do you, something here. Yeah, you can tell me what he did at least. Um, but like the first time we were recording sound, yeah. like how we got that like onto a vinyl disc kind of deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Making just little bumps out of something. So it is like that, turning it into a physical something mm-hmm. or other. And uh, so the signal, like I said, it's digitized or converted in any way. Right, right. And uh, it's changed into an electrochemical stimuli that locks into the carrier's nervous system. That's Holy crap. It, it, deep in you, right? Like, <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Now, the wave translator at that point is going to remain active. So your password activates it and it's going to keep it's on the whole time from that point when you put it mm-hmm. in. Uh, so Giovanni's there. So once the wave translator's on, uh, it starts broadcasting the message at set intervals within your bat. So that makes your bat go like. Like, he's actually vocalizing. Oh. But it's just a little chatter. Like, he's making his natural sounds, right? Right, right. Uh, but that's your message playing through his nervous system. So it'll make the sounds it normally would, but within those sounds is an encoded message. Um, No, no, no. Not, like, not from his voice. But that's just his nervous system. Because it's, it's encoded within him. Right. So, like, in a way it is, but there's no way you could discern it yet. No, no, I'm not saying you could discern it. Sure, sure. But I'm just saying, like, yeah, that is constantly making those sounds, even if it's just, like, I'm just hunting yeah, yeah. and, like, you know, trying to, like, use echolocation. But every time I'm doing that, I'm actually saying a message, more yeah. or less. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, your, your whatever your words would be converted into bat That's kind of cool. Kind of deal. Yeah. That's kind of cool. 
And uh, so it keeps stimulating the vocal center of it. And this camouflages the signal. So like it can't be distinguished from its normal cries. Mm -hmm. And uh, the wave translator will be deactivated by like that bat going to wherever it's going to go. So Giovanni lands over to me now. You've sent it like flying off. And Mm -hmm. I catch him like, hey, Giovanni, what's up? And I pull up my little ED tube and I put it to my ear. And I'm like, well, I know the password. Because I go, Giovanni. And then it plays the message one more time. But this time, Mike, plays it into the ED tube. The wave translator sort of like takes it back and it plays plays one message out and then deactivates the wave translator. Now the message is in the ED tube and it comes out of the ED tube because it converts it back into wave. Right, right. So now you get the message in the exact voice of whoever recorded it. Because all that data was basically saved, right? You know what? This is, this is, uh, I work with this on a day to day basis, Derek. You're just like preaching to the choir here. <laughs> you're, this you're is like, you're not even amused by this at all. I'm this is, like, yeah. no, not really. This is my microphone into the A to D converter, into my Pro Tools, out of my Pro Tools, okay. into my monitors. You just got to remember that Pro Tools is a bat. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> it's a live animal. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> into my Giovanni. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, I should have named the bat Pro Tools. <laughs> Now you realize. <laughs> oh, so, it's too good. This is, uh, then it kind of goes into the explanation of like Cialago. And yeah. well, actually kind of misnomer where it told me it was a native bat of Arrakis, but the glossary is sort of augmenting that and saying like that we bred them for this point of Arrakis was what you were telling me. Well, okay. Uh, uh, for the glossary I can show you the verbatim. Yeah, yeah, Cialago. Go ahead yeah. and read that right out. With Cialago, any modified Caroptera of Arrakis adapted to carry distrans messages. Nice. Okay. So, oh, so then I guess it still is like the native of Arrakis. It may not Chiro- be the native, but Chiro- it's been. Well, no, specific- no, but you just said Chiroptera of Arrakis. Yeah. Chiroptera is the order. Okay. So, any so bat then species of, of bat that then has been modified. Right. So, it does have that one little qualifier. Um, so, Cilago basically means it's a distrans bat. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the Latin word for bat is uh, Vespertilio. Okay. Just put that in there because I got that wrong last time. I wanted to be able to correct it. Gotcha. Got to it. Um, and then side note on mat- bats, Mike. Do you know that the largest bat is? Is it a uh, fruit fox? Uh, not ooh. fruit fox, uh, flying fox. You, you combine both its words. Fruit bat uh, and the flying fruit fox. fruit bat and the yeah. flying fox. Uh, but it's both the same thing. Yes. More or less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a different, same name for the, yeah. I if think bats one's like a colloquial so, name. so like, terrible to keep, I'd be like, oh, it's so cute and I want one. Yeah, <laughs> do you know what its wingspan can be? Oh, it's got to be like seven feet or eight feet. Ooh, okay, not that big. Four, four foot, 11 inches. Really? You don't like think it would be that you wouldn't think it'd be that wide? Seven feet? Yeah, I mean, the yeah, bald no. eagle's like six feet, and they're about the same size. Oh, no, this is telling me it was four feet. Oh, okay. It, it basically comes up to like five. Okay. Four feet 11 You just seem like really shocked. Seven feet does seem huge, so, yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, a bald eagle's like six feet, so. Is it? No way. Yeah, it is. Oh, that's insane. Yeah, I, I they're run. big birds. Just run. Just run. <laughs> just, <laughs> just run. <laughs> it's, it's too much bird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the Fremen, uh, like we know they've been breeding these because like bred on Arrakis mm-hmm. for, and bred for distrans. And they specifically breed for superior homing ability. Uh, very right, homing other. pigeons. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, that's what they're made for. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why uh, the one we met today was so good at like right. stretching his wings, staying on the palm. It's right. Like, I know where I'm going. Just needs a little bit of water to go. Mm-hmm. I just need my, I need to get paid. In any form, so the spit works. Mm-hmm. And uh, so distrans, the productions are very demanding. Uh, let alone you need fine workmanship for such like small devices, which the Fremen have clearly showed themselves capable of. Like we've seen that workshop uh, or at least that all the arrays of materials that come out of their workshop. We haven't gotten to see one yet, but like the Fremen have an industrious side to them. Uh, but it's also really intense in that you have to breed these bats. You have to put the wave translator in them. So like, oh, right. Cause yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, they sort you of have like, to do it when they're young. I would, so that, I, I would imagine, yeah, because then gotcha. you're training it, and then like then it's good to go, right? Because um, even today, uh, I think um, Kyle's bet was just like, oh, I, he's like, I'm gonna be so sad when I lose this one. Yeah, he's this, probably this had bet it a really is so long good time. and so reliable. Yeah, yeah that we we bonded. Um, so it is like a, it's a huge burden uh, to make these and install these, but like all the advantages of the distrans outweigh anything it costs to get. Oh a yeah, I bet. Because, uh, like, let alone all the logistical advantages, like mm-hmm. being able to communicate in this, um, there's no training that you need to teach someone to use this. Sure, you just whisper into the tube. Mm-hmm. And you know what the, the password? And pay the bat. No, the password that they use, though, they don't change it. Oh, so was it? Because no one ever cracks it. So, like, it's really <laughs> rare that they even have to change the password. That's kind of amazing. So, like, we all just leave it on. It's admin. Uh, <laughs> it's like, not admin. Yeah. Like, password's 111. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the odds of the enemy ever capturing such a creature, let alone knowing its purpose, right. is just abysmally low. I didn't even think about You're that. You're good to go. But there are some catches. Um, the shortcomings of, like, using bats and birds for this kind of job is going to be. expensive. Well, no, no. For wa- all the water that yeah, goes yeah. into a living creature? But again, the offset for it. I oh, mean, yeah. I mean more like uh, it's that they, they're not going to be able to go inside of a building or like find their way into a sketch. Right. And then they're not going to be able to find a person in an unknown location. It's like if that bat doesn't know where to go. Right. It's not going to be able to get there. You can't be like, Fine, fine, Kyle. Woo! <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> I'm doing my best. <laughs> I'm not, I don't have enough water for this. Because uh, they, they only go from A to B. So that led, I think, to our first human trial. Oh my god! And this, uh, so this was so the pointedly Fremen, not done by the Fremen. The Fremen invented it. Yes, on Poratrin. Okay. And then at some point between Poratrin and Arrakis, which is several thousand years, right? Because I think that happened in like around uh, five thousand. It's the Poratrin story, and then we ended up Portrait, in like. Is that the one that I think that's the one that the Sardaukar ended up going to after the fact, being like, "Get out." No, no, this is the, it's the first world they oh, go to. Oh, it's the to. first one. It was the garden world where we land with the machinery, we divide it up, and we go, and oh, then and we then got they raided. flourished after yeah. the fact. And we, gotcha. got, we built those, like, imperial-level cities, right, and then we right, got raided. Right. Um, so, like, they've had it since then. So it spread. They would have brought it to Seleucia Secundus as well. Oh. Uh, so maybe that's where the Imperium picked it up and stuff like that. There are many options for it. So nonetheless, um, in the year 10179, so this is 12 years ago. Okay. Very recent. This is within Paul's lifetime. Yeah, Paul would have been two years old at this point. Um, Dr. Garrick L. Nua, N-O-U-H. N-O-U-H, that, okay. That's how I'm going to pronounce it. Nua. N-O-U-H. Yeah. Noah. Wouldn't that be the A-H, though? I mean, yeah, but no, it's, no, uh, it's space Noah. No, uh. It's sp- <laughs> no, uhs. <laughs> yeah, you might be right. I'll I think it's it. space Noah. Garrick L. Noah. Uh, he was a physician, and he worked actually for the Landsrad High Council. Oh, okay. So, like, they must have uh, some, like, uh, government money they throw around on various mm-hmm. projects that benefit them. And the High Council is the one that's just sort of in charge of the Landsrad, more or less. Yeah, uh, well, those are, like, that block of voting members that make uh, that X amount of salari per annum. Okay. And so I think there are 100 seats, and, like, they have the real power to gotcha, direct gotcha, gotcha. the Landsrad in places. Uh, and especially direct like it's chome profits and shit, stuff like that. This works. So can you think of a problem in installing the normal wave uh, modulator in a person? Because what happens when you put a message into that bat? Oh, God. Did he just start shouting the message over and over? You just start babbling incoherently. Oh. And at set intervals, you're just like, oh, the weather in Spain is great today on Tuesdays. Whoa, what the hell was that? I'm like, two seconds go by. Oh, the weather in Spain is great today. Oh, what were I going to keep saying this for? Or just all of a sudden goes, ah! 
<laughs> you just yeah. screaming. Your vocal eyes wide open. <laughs> yep. So it was immediately realized that, guys, this is going to be a catch. So they made a <laughs> modified version of the crystal mic. Oh, no. That is only activated by the carrier's vocal cords instead of the other way around. Okay. So instead of me using my little ED thing and going up to your ear and saying the password, mm-hmm. you say the password until <laughs> I get it going. <laughs> and then it's not on a repeating frequency. Gotcha. You would do it, and then I think it would come out of your voice, the message for it. Because <laughs> they're like, it's a catch here. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, the car- uh, they said like the babbling would be obvious to all. <laughs> I, just, I have this picture. You remember Community uh, with Abed? Whatever. Like yeah. his, he sort of like breaks down. He like you uh, give him a like. Anytime you break Abed, <laughs> you break Abed. He goes ah! <laughs> like that's what I imagine. <laughs> and just stop tilting your head to the yeah. side. Yeah, I think that's what it would be. And um, this actually it gets pretty popular. So like they're using it gets popular. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with the modified crystal. Oh no, because like, again, it doesn't do that. Okay, it's a it's a good system. Yeah, it does work. Right, right, right. Um. And it's uh it's pretty widespread until like the um eleven thousands. So we get another nine hundred years we, of using this. Do we find another glitch in the system? Uh no, we uh sort of similar to oh, what was the other tech that became useless? I think it was wasn't shields. Oh man, I'm at a loss. There was a technology that made it like um no, the laser guns had like a ban on maybe I'm thinking laser guns when they banned them in like the blank guy's piece. It was that one that I had to right. uh, edit out for you, and I couldn't tell you whose piece it was. Uh, or yeah. Or become obsolete. Strange. Uh, <laughs> Damn so it. Nonetheless, um, the technology is good until then, and basically a, a crystal, it's just called a crystal scrambler is invented. Okay. And that basically renders the entire device impractical and useless. So I think it would be like if you had that. It's, it's like taking a, uh, a magnet to a. Uh... A TV, old TV screen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And as soon as you walk by, like it just erases that yeah, thing. Yeah, just like, like depolarizes oh, and erases. Ah, like, crap. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, that was useless. And at that point, yeah, there's no use, and the whole thing is kind of scrapped and for naught. Yeah. And that is a distrans. That is really cool. But 900 years of that being in use in humans. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, being available and concurrent with. <sighs> I wonder. Our, yeah, I wonder what espionage was like during that time. Like I said, uh, if we continue on with the books, we're, we're going to meet someone who has it. Who who still has it? They they don't they get it. Oh, uh, it's put into them. They 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 are not very proud of it. They are not very stoked. It wasn't on their it. choice to have it put in them? Oh, they consented. Um, they signed the paper, but didn't really read it. Yeah, it, uh, came, it came from up top. Oh no, you couldn't really say no. Oh god. Mm. Oh, then the it was probably the emperor. It was. So then who? Don't worry. It's you really shouldn't. Don't even speculate. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know this person. Yet, yeah, so yeah, okay. exactly. Like, yeah, you, you right, would just be pulling fine. out of thin yeah, air. Yeah, that's fine. But that's what I got for you, man. That is so wild, man. I'm glad this trans is really cool. So that we're going really cool. to see I'm that. I'm glad uh, we got the logo word during the two dunes because like that came out very quickly. Yeah, and then the bat shows up. Yeah, it was very relevant. Can we dive right in. We got it all fleshed out now. Yeah, and we almost skipped it. Uh, but you know what? Hmm. This trans aside, we got some exciting things coming up here. Yeah. It's time for the Gurney game. Oh, God. Gurney, Gurney, Gurney. Gurney, Gurney, Gurney. So uh, last time, we had three Gurney quotes. One from uh, Gurney Halleck, one from James Gurney, author of Dinotopia, and one from Sir William Gurney Benham. Billy Gurney Benham. (laughs) Don't call him for it. He's a knight. (laughs) 
Uh, who is an editor? Again, don't in make me like keep bringing London. up lists of people who shouldn't have been nice because I will find them. So uh, I, I still have Sir William ben- Gurney uh, Benham's quotes on the side here. He doesn't have a lot though, mm-hmm. and I'm worried that eventually I'm going to run out of quotes for him because I will. <laughs> okay, but that's okay. So I'm I'm decided I'm going to have a wild card Gurney. Ooh, oh, I, I like so like a, a rotation of a rotation Gurney? of Gurneys. And I'm just going to sort of like pick random ones each week. Well, maybe not random. Like I'll have like a little pool of How gurneys. How many gurneys do you have? Do you want to know the answer? <laughs> not that? really. I like that. Hey, I want it to be a surprise each time they come up. I'm waiting for rugby gurney. I know he's in there. I've got more than 30 gurneys ready. <laughs> 30 gurneys? <laughs> 30 gurneys. <laughs> this is going to be a side expertise I didn't think I'd have. Yeah. I, I didn't think I'd find 30 gurneys. <laughs> Gurney trivia, but uh, it's so, okay. One that I really liked, and I ended up reading a lot more of his stuff than I ever intended to, was Ivor Gurney. Is this going to be today's Gurney? It's going to be one of today's Gurneys. Okay. Ivor Gurney. Ivor Gurney, and I'd get used to this one because he has a lot that are pretty close to Gurney Halleck. Ooh, okay, okay. So Gurney Halleck, James Gurney, and Ivor Gurney, and Ivor Gurney's Gurney are today's Gurneys. Dude, I can name all these Gurneys. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. good start. Um, and Ivor Gurney was born in Gloucester, England in the late 1800s, composed music, and ended up becoming a poet. Wow. That is very Gurney. It's very Gurney. It's making James Gurney the odd one out today. (laughs) Yeah, right? He just wrote a book. Yeah, no, this this is super cool. His first book of poems was called uh, Severn and Sama, uh, and his second book was called War's Embers. What was that first one called? Uh, Severn and Sama. I, I think that's, I believe, I think it's French. Okay, it's like, I don't know either of those words. I think Sama I means summer, to be honest. Okay, okay, okay. That makes me feel relieved that I'm like, is that just something in English I don't understand? No, but, I know, it's, it's but, definitely okay. French. I don't understand. Ooh, is he French? Uh, No, I, well, he was born in... No, you said Gloucester. Gloucester, yeah, yeah. Okay. But, uh, well, look, give me a sec here. I think that makes him English, Mike, by yeah. definition. <laughs> During the time he spent in France... His poetic gift revealed itself, and his first book of poems was published. Oh, yeah. Man. Oh, he had a life. Dude, yeah, right. this guy. All right. I'm, I'm ready for some Gurney quotes then, Mike. Yeah, okay. So let me go get the die so we know which Gurney. Oh, okay, yeah. Always. All right. So, you so roll that die. Let me know. Or no, I guess you can't tell me what Gurney is. Well, I'm not going to tell you what Gurney. You have to tell me what Gurney. <laughs> that I could flip the script. Oh, let's see here. All right. Okay. We've picked a Gurney. Okay. He's reviewing the quotes. I watch your face for any clues that I can get. <laughs> like I like I called you out on Dinotopia and I should have committed to it when I knew you had said it. Get ready for Gurney Gurney Gurney. <sighs> I'm gonna drink this wine and mm-hmm. you read that quote, sir. Oh for the days of times long past. Touch sweet Nestor to my lips once more. Fond memories to taste and feel. The smiles and kisses of delight and innocence and hope. Okay. So, I mean, that was so poetic. It's pretty poetic. I got to kick James Gurney out of the running. Are you sure? No. Because you did that last time. Right. And, <laughs> and then he skyrocketed to the front. And he's like, it's me. <laughs> but I I told you I could see a dinosaur saying that one. Yeah. I can't see a dinosaur saying this. What if there's a, a dinosaur poet, though? I'm pretty sure the talking dinosaur from Dinotopia had glasses. I'm not 100% sure. But I think he had spectacles. And that meant he, he's smart. He's super smart. <laughs> super smart super dinosaur. Smart. <sighs> But yeah, the lady doth protest too much. It's it's not. It's not done. <laughs> um, but and I see. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Ivor Gurney. I think it was too long for a normal Gurney quote. Mm. I think I said normal for a normal <laughs> Gurney quote. <laughs> 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 um, but 
the Brian Herbert part is always going to be a little wrench That's right, in there. Because I'm like, going to pull from Brian Herbert's as well. And that guy, maybe he no rules in Brian Herbert's books. It could be anything. <laughs> um, uh, because I, I mean, it's hard to write through another person's perspective of their character. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. And like, well, I mean, uh, without going too far off the rails here, but like, just considering, like, I don't know if um, Frank and Brian were like equally religious. If uh, or if their upbringing might have had that's a, a very good like, point. Like they're totally different eras that you grew up in, where their perspective could be very different. Yeah, yeah. I imagine Frank being in like a much more orthodox right. kind of household. But I'm I'm basing that off of not actually knowing but, anything about him in that respect. Yeah. Uh, sorry. This chapter has been uh, sort of a boon for you because now we know that Gurney is probably alive, which means I can pull from this text too. What do you mean, like the rest of the book? Yeah, the rest of the book. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I think it's just, I just for you. Yeah, I knew that the whole time. Well, I didn't know yeah, that right. though. <laughs> oh wait, don't go too, don't get too lost in Gurney quotes in the book. Don't spoil anything. Okay, be careful. Okay, tell careful. you, what, I'll, I'll leave Gurney alone in the the novel. No, no, I mean do whatever because you can you can isolate for him. When I mean, I know they're just gonna be like King James Bible. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> for it. But but I wanna I wanna lock down with uh, I'm going new our new Ivor Gurney. New like, Ivor Gurney. I love this poet story of, and he's so like the normal Gurney. Yeah, which makes it very dangerous. Well, except he had a very happy life. It sounds. Yeah. Our, our Gurney learned to play his songs. Remember in the slave pit, he had to think back oh, to. Oh, and Gaty Prime. Yeah, that was his trip to France. Was like the slave pit <laughs> and Gaty Prime. What a good trip. Nope. Nope. Didn't really fall in love oh or anything. Gosh. So uh, lock me in, at Ivor Gurney. Yeah. So you're correct. It was Gurney. <laughs> so much, I really got excited for a second. <laughs> Not Ivor Gurney, though. <laughs> no, it's with James Gurney. I'm going to throw this glass at you, Mike. <laughs> no. You can rest easy. Sung on Seleucus oh. Secundus among the outlaw band led by Dominic Vernius, which I assume is from a Byron Herbert story. Wait, it's sung by Dominic Vernius? So how? No, is, no, 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 no. Sung on Seleucus Secundus among the outlaw band led by Dominic. Oh, Vernius. okay, okay. I'm sorry. I qualified. So him. I guess so Gurney was being an outlaw at some point here. Dom, um, I know that name. Why? And again, this is where the insight. Oh, I think there's a guy named um, Aurelius Vernius. Oh, that might be, that might be who. Uh, well, it's uh, I think Brian Herbert connecting. Um, I believe that guy. I think he invented the highliner. Oh, um, or was somewhat tied into that with Norma Senva. And then, so I think using this character is like just uh, name dropping mm-hmm. to be like, look, here he is, uh, the family again. It's still in this world, kind of deal. Like uh, connected up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, but, oh, okay. So on Seleucus Segundus, he plays yeah. this song. So this would have been, wow, what I just referenced then. <laughs> exactly. And that's why I was just like, oh, biting my lip. Oh, that, <laughs> so I'll, I'll do it for one more time and, just yeah, so please, you can please. now get it in the now context. Now I can appreciate it in its context, yeah. Oh, for the days of times long past, touch sweet Nestor to my lips once more, fond memories to taste and feel, the smiles and kisses of delight and innocence and hope. It's a taste sweet what? It says is it sweet ne- nectar, okay. but it I, could be obviously a, you. Yeah, I was like, do you mean nectar? I wanted to say nectar, but I see that there's an S here, and it could just be a typo on whoever put this into this uh, collection. Yeah, yeah, those keys are quotes. these keys are close enough together. Yeah, but, so but, or I, it may be touch sweet nectar to my lips once more. But sure, sure. Or if there's maybe it's just a word that like I, we don't know. I'm and not willing to dive into the books that deep to find the answer though. That that's really cool. Do you know what that was from? What book then? Oh, I don't know. Ooh, if you could add that, if you're going to pull one from like uh, so Brian Herbert's ones, that'd be kind of neat. I would um, imagine it's from like the House trilogy. If it's from Dune, it doesn't say. Like it won't, it'll just say uh, the quote and then I assume it's from Dune because I, I see like review friends, troops, long past review on here. doesn't mm-hmm. say where it's from. I know where it's from. Yeah. But uh, 
on so, some of the other ones, it'll sort of say like "Sung on Seleucus Secundus among blah blah blah" or right, right. Sung- so like that one, I, I I'm pretty sure that's because we're using the since he uses Verulius, mm-hmm. uh, that it is a Brian Herbert book. I think it is going to be one of the House books. So either like um, probably it's probably going to be House Harkonnen, mm-hmm. uh, but it's either like it's House Hartrades, House Harkonnen, House Carino are those three books in the series, right? Um, but it's cool just so we can give it proper like. So if anyone wants to go yeah. find it, or if they own the book, they can like kind of yeah, no, totally, and uh, uh, that. Oh, that's Again, I mean, like, I'm picking from a lot of blind uh, topics here. I just looked up their name. Their name was Gurney. And I said, <laughs> all right, dartboard. Let's go for it. Yeah. But yeah, 0 for 2 so far. Oh, man, you get me. They're tricky. That's they a are. good game. It's a, it's a great game. <laughs> Gurney, uh, Gurney, or Gurney. I think, you know what? I mean, you, I don't know if this was intentional on your part, but the lead up with uh, the description of Iver set me up so much to want to run with him on that one. I'm like, no. He's pretty good. I, I was at least, I feel vindicated in uh, properly isolating James. It's not Gurney today. You did well. I, you did well. Last time was tricky, though. 1 and 0 on that. <laughs> or 1 and 1. <laughs> 1 and 1. Yeah. But well uh, done, Derek. Thank you. Uh, it was a good Mike. attempt. I'm loving this game more and more. <laughs> but uh, I think I think that's gonna do it for today. Not wait, wait. quite, my friend. No? Do, you, do you hear that? You hear a little? Wait, wait, whoa, wait. What is that? That that that's my bat, Mike. It's what? This is and who? Giovanni himself has oh! come. <laughs> I got our own distrans bat. How did you do? Wait, what? Just for today's episode? No, I couldn't afford the mailbag anymore. It was getting really expensive. <laughs> it does get expensive. It's pricey. PO boxes are getting up there too. It's not this bat. I just got to give him a little wine and he's good to go. Little, <laughs> that can't be safe. No, he does fly at a bit of an angle, but like, that's why I always I release him outside. Um, he flew into the window yesterday. That's why we couldn't use that's him. That's where that came from. Yeah. But. Look at this guy. He's got some messages for us. Okay. And we had a few emails come in that I wanted to bring up for us now because some people are still starting at the earlier episodes and working Mm. their way up. And I'm loving that they're they're sounding off right away, Mm -hmm. especially apparently uh, when we were talking about the Orange Catholic Bible. Oh, that was like way back in like... Four or five, right? Yeah, I think um, four is when Yui uh, presents it to mm, five. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was five, right? I think it's five, yeah, because it's uh, first it's Hawat and Thufir come in. Right. And then uh, Yui gets his own little chapter aside mm-hmm. with Paul. And we did like kind of the backstory of the Orange Cat's Bible, and I was at a loss for Orange for you, right? Right. Because well, it's like, why not the Green Bible or the Lime <laughs> Bible? <laughs> Any color. The Banana will do. Bible. <laughs> well, there is reason behind it. And uh, two people actually signed off within this week. I got these kind of mm-hmm. like back to back within a day. So a little shout out to Rob W. And John D, thank you guys for uh, sending some messages in. And you both expanded upon the same point. Uh, and I actually, I'm going to read you a little excerpt from each okay, of them for cool. it. But basically, like, they were bringing up that the orange is uh, in Ireland. They have an order of orange. Wait. Is like, uh, it's like this uh, fraternal order. Like so, a secret society? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think, but people know about it. Like, <laughs> so think, that's a secret secret I would society? Say a society, <laughs> maybe is what we call it. Um, yeah, so <laughs> it's this order. And uh, they're a Protestant order that, um, it said mm. they were for like Protestant ascendancy, which does sound as uh, <laughs> maybe off-putting as it would be for like us where I'm like, everyone's okay. equal, but like they were there to protect the Protestants and kind of push their cause. And this is like starting in like 1500. Oh, okay, up. way so back like, when. Yeah, it went, I mean, granted, the troubles in Ireland have been going on for a that, long time. Right, right, right. And have not been resolved yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're in a better place. So this cat named William of Orange was the Prince of Orange. <laughs> Such a cool There we thing. go. Yeah, and uh, so I think he was the one who founded it. And this is like really loose research. I did uh, doubling in on what these guys sent me. Okay. Uh, but so 
they were alluding that the orange in uh, for Orange Catholic right. for this Bible was sort of like these two groups reuniting. And we're kind of like mending a schism in religion, oh. being orange synonymous with Catholic, or I'm sorry, orange synonymous with Protestantism, and then Catholic, Protestant Catholic Bible. Oh my God. We're back, guys. We're one team. That's actually really mind-blowing. Isn't, yeah. Do you think that that's, that's something that Frank like put yeah, together? Yeah, I, I, th- I, I think uh, with how obvious these guys have both painted it, of like, hey, everyone in Ireland knows this. Anyone with like Irish heritage seems to know this. So I, uh, let me read you uh, from the email that we got from Rob W. Okay. And he says, uh, having grown up in Northern Ireland, there was a distinct sectarian divide between Protestants and Catholic. The Irish Protestants predominantly supported the Orange Order, named after William of Orange, who was seen uh, to many as the protector and champion of the Protestant faith, whereas Irish Catholics, well, were Irish Catholics. (laughs) 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 That's awesome. Uh, My take on it is that the O.C. Bible is named for the merging of the two dominant Christian traditions, namely Protestantism and Catholicism, into the O.C. Bible. Therefore, giving a hat tip to both doctrines. No idea what happens to Eastern Orthodox Christianity, though. <laughs> <laughs> Conveniently left out of the whole equation. But hey, we got that's, these two back That's together. really cool, though. And then uh, from John, he again, he uh, expanded on the same topic. Kind of okay. like, hey, check this out. And uh, he sent me, including the Wikipedia link to it. And he says, uh, they are Protestant. And so juxtaposed with Catholic seems like a Frankie thing to do. Ah, <laughs> I just love yeah. Using juxtapose, that's totally, we overuse that. Yeah, we do overuse that. I think we've eased off. We've kind of gotten it out of our system. Um, And then he put a Catholic and Frankie in quotes. A Frankie thing to do. A Frankie thing to do. I love that. Sort of like giving nobody names is a Frankie thing to do. (laughs) So thank you, Rob and John. Uh, I really appreciate you guys pointing that out. And uh, there's one other little bit in this bat message, Mike. Okay. Uh, We got a message from a man named Sid. And Sid expanded upon, I brought up a gins. We're kind of off point to you. Oh, wait. When were we talking about gins? Well, I was telling you I didn't know um, oh. whether, like, uh, the DGINN was the same as JINN. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. We, and just sort of, like, it's been a blind spot, I think, in my uh, historical reckoning. I thought we went over that a little bit, didn't we? we you sort of clarified it for me. Okay. And uh, Sid really expanded upon the same thing. Uh, was I totally wrong? <laughs> Uh, no, no, no. Just that it came from genie and that they were magical beings. But uh, obviously you didn't know the full context of it. But so Sid told me that the jinn were, they're kind of like our rivals in a way. So like when um, God created the world, he made jinn. They were made out of fire and we were made out of clay. And these were the only two things that were given free will. So the jinns have free will and we have free will. Oh, you know what? I think I know this. Is there, is there a third one, too? It's like humans, gins, and something else. Oh, Mike. Yeah, I, don't, I don't got that one for uh, you. Now you're making me more confused. But dang. Let me read you this uh, one of the last paragraphs uh, in the email that we got from uh, Sid here. All right. All so, right. also, like a man, there can be good and bad within them. Once mankind was created, it was superior to the jinn because prophets were men and were given a higher place in the order by God. They tend to be talked about in regions that are more mystical in religious orientation and tend to be talked about as magic or in terms of possession. Think like the exorcist. He says, I think they are considered synonymous with genies in other cultures and like genies can be harnessed and utilized by people. Generally, though, in a lot of cultures, they're used as an excuse to describe mental health illnesses by giving them mystical roots. So... This, to me, connected to something I do know about, which is um, the Shinigami, 
of uh, that's like, the death god, right? Uh, they're demons. It, well, I think it, so. It depends. It is a, sort of a blanket term. I think uh, they're used in Japan as well as like Buddhism in Asia in general. Mm-hmm. And my understanding of it was within this like Buddhism uh, angle that Shinigami were like evil spirits, and basically like if that spirit possessed you, when someone uh, committed suicide, it was because the spirit made them do it. And that sort of like you know the culture around you being able to rationalize that irrational res- uh, activity that a person and just to, hmm. we're like we can't understand why someone would do that to themselves well it wasn't their fault it was a shinigami got into them manipulated them. that was the, the so mindset the, yeah just a like, way to explain a it. way to explain it so you can get on with your life you know in a way and maybe like still remember your loved one mm-hmm. uh whatever you need to do and so he's saying that like the gene the gin are the same kind of way now i got this email um distrance <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> this came in uh, at the, like the end of august and literally two days later uh i've you know we listen to a lot of podcasts that's yeah. why we're doing this i love this whole medium right right, right. there's a gin podcast that is coming out and came out like september 1st like two really? days after this yeah that is like a woman with the same kind of background that uh sid has where sid uh he is um I think it was a Muslim Indian background that he oh, had. Oh, cool. So it's just like his experience culturally. And the host of the show also has like a similar background. That's really and cool. she just wanted to explain jinns to like people who don't understand it. Well, she's are. like, these are cool stories. She specifically says that she grew up with, like we exchange ghost stories. She had jinn stories. That's dope. And so each episode is like a jinn story that they get into. That's so really cool. So I, I thought the corollary between the two popping up at the same time was too much. I'm like, well, clearly I need to look into jinn. <laughs> it's meant to be. Like, yeah, you guys are hammering this on me. So, Sid, thank you so much uh, for reaching out with that. I actually uh, sent him back a few things because he, he mentioned uh, looking at Dune from this, like, academic perspective. And I sent him some of the white papers that I had you download for me. Oh, yeah. The academic While site. I was still in university. Yeah, while well, you still had access to yeah. them. <laughs> um, so I hope he checks those out. And I would love to hear back from him and any thoughts he had on that. But... That's all the uh, the messages I got for us today, Mike. That's exciting. Oh, give the bat some wine. Oh, God. Here you go, Giovanni. Sorry, man. <laughs> Fly away. There it goes. Uh, okay. He'll make it. He'll okay. make it. Right. <laughs> it looks a little shoddy. He always bobs down in that first life. Okay, all right. <laughs> He's got to work that wine <laughs> off. Uh, but that, Mike, that about does it for me. Does anyone else have a question for us? <laughs> do you guys, uh, do you know a wine we can afford? A wine that's safe for bats? <laughs> safe for bats. <laughs> you can find us at Spice World Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we're always at SpiceWorldPod at gmail.com. And of course, there's our website, SpiceWorldPod.com. And if you're looking for a way to support the show, you can join us at our little sketch over at Patreon.com slash SpiceWorldPod. And you won't be alone if you do. You won't be alone. We've got some people there already. Yeah. Thank you, Laura and Kennedy, for starting that off. <sighs> Well, tell me about next week. Next week, Mike. Dude, like I said, so you're going to get the answer to our Liette mystery. Yeah. Oh, like, my God, finally. We did kind of. I honestly just want to bear the hatchet on at this point. <laughs> it's stressing me out. I don't think that's how that phrase works. <laughs> <laughs> that would be like if we had gripe, like a strife between us. <laughs> We're going to resolve it nonetheless. <laughs> and uh, I did pick out a little quote for you. Um, I mean, I guess telling you you're going to get Liette's answer is a little bit of a tease, oh, but God. this is, this is going to be a little bit better. Okay. <clears throat> And Jessica, turning back to look at him, thought, there's steel in this man that no one has taken the temper out of, and we've need of steel. Paul's doing a dangerous thing. Paul said, the Sadokar on Arrakis are a measure of how much our beloved emperor feared my father. Now I will give the Padishah emperor reasons to fear the... And it cuts off. What? 
That's all I got, Mike. Oh! It's a good cut, right? That's why. <laughs> and that's like literally where like the it's, quote, it's, the quote it's, stop. And that's what like, happens? Why like, is it cut off? I all, when I select these, Mike, I intentionally go there. I don't ever want to edit anything out for you. Right. So like I have to like pick something that doesn't give too many names to this, but that is like where the text stops. Oh, in the, my in the God. Writing. Any ideas? They've got to be meeting Liette or something because you said it's we we meet Liette or like it's revealed or something it's probably uh, I, Liette. I told you you're gonna find out who Liette is I didn't tell you you're gonna meet Liette oh, we're gonna resolve the name that could just as easily be done by a diss trans bat is, showing is, up and being like Liette's this guy and then flying <laughs> back up <laughs> do you think it's a, a Fremen uh, like messenger or something then? again you can't ask me what I think do you <laughs> think it's a Fremen messenger <laughs> Oh, sorry. do you want, do I get to play Hawa and like respond back in the affirmative? Yeah. <laughs> That's how this works, right? Oh dear lord. <laughs> well, I think with that, we're gonna take our leave, Mike. And as always, the spice, spice must flow. You just get really excited. <laughs> what do you think? Because like, let's spitball. Let's figure this one out together. <laughs> <laughs>